Hey, hey, welcome back. It's the Sports Block Podcast, fresh off a week off. Hopefully everyone had a great 4th of July and you didn't blow off any fingers like uh, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul did a few years back. Uh, Travis Krins, my good friend, joins me here. Travis, how are we doing? We're here, 4th of July. Next week, we're rolling along. I found like, like a lot of people had had things like this past weekend, too. Yes. Well, I mean, it was on Sunday. I mean, 4th of July on Sunday is not ideal. Nope. But uh, we did get Monday off, thankfully. But, yeah, yep. it was extremely hot, as we always start with the weather. It was extremely yep. hot during the 4th. Uh, but this past week has been uh, quite, quite, quite good with yep. the weather. Uh, we got much-needed rain, two inches back home. We got a good inch and a half, two inches close to it here in Mitchell. So that was much, much needed. Yeah. And uh, weather list this week looked to be in the 80s, low 80s, mid-80s. Another chance of rain tomorrow. So uh, the, the, the weather is good. The weather is turned around. Yeah, unfortunately, it sounds like the heat's going to come back here uh, towards the a latter part like the weekend like sunday is supposed to be in the mm-hmm. 90s here and it's going to be hot next week which isn't good because i'm going on vacation next week we're going up to craigans and brainerd uh with my dad's side of the family and uh, yeah it's supposed to be hot and not a, not a chance of rain we need more rain we didn't get the two inches of rain that you got mm-hmm. in mitchell we got barely a quarter of an inch we were yeah we were very lucky it was uh, last week Monday at this time. Last week Monday about 5 o'clock. A lot of wind. It was picking up dust because it was so windy. Yeah. And uh, a little thunderstorm there. had some tree branches down. And then uh, it, w- it would rain every day, every other day, just a little bit. And some storms moving through. And we were lucky to be to be in the right path of those storms. So that's going to help help a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are the, a lot of like the rivers or you know lakes, ponds in, in, around the Mitchell area scummy? I've noticed that a lot in St. Cloud and kind of the surrounding areas. That the, obviously the rivers and the lakes are lower, and there seems to be more scum that's kind of mm. building up in certain areas. Well, Lake Mitchell is not good to begin with. Like you can't, you're not supposed to swim in it. Probably shouldn't fish in it. Um, it's got a problem, which they've come up with ideas, but nothing's really happened. So it's it's a pretty big lake, but we, we don't do anything with it because it's a huge problem and it costs a lot of money. So they've had many ideas of how to fix Lake Mitchell, but nothing I don't think is ever going to get done. And if it does, it's going to take a long time. Well, write to your governor and uh, see what she can do. Oh, wait, she's never there. Um, oh, so. well, that's, yeah. She, yeah. Well, that's, that's unfortunate to where, you know, sure. she's not here because she's, she's concerned about running for president. So, Well, she, she says she's not, though. She's more concerned about what well, about her is that she's a liar, Stack, and you yeah. can't believe what she says. I know. I know that. We oh, ran an ad saying, don't vote for marijuana, and now she's running an ad saying, uh, I, oh, I've always supported marijuana. Like, no, there's things like video and audio that I can see with my own eyes. You say it. The thing I, the thing I found about her is that, like, she, she didn't always used to be like this. 
And then she got with Corey Lewandowski, and they obviously have the Trump strategy of, of how to create attention, how you always have to say something or do something so that you're always in the news. Right, right. You're always fighting, you're always fighting with somebody. You're always doing something outlandish. You're always creating attention. You're always getting in, in fights with the media. You're always on Fox News. So that's the, the Trump gnome strategy to always keep your name out there even though – Usually when, you know, the, the legislative session is not in session, mm-hmm. it's only in session for six, seven weeks in the first couple months of the year, usually when that's not in session, we don't hear much from the governor of our state. We're a small state, so there's really no need to hear from the governor much at all. But uh, this governor, we hear from her and about her very often. And that's her strategy. And the thing about it is, uh, she's not. She's getting some attention, but it's not good attention, and she's not going to go anywhere. Whatever her aspirations are, hopefully, uh, in two years, somebody comes out and defeats her. And hopefully, the people in this state are sick of her. That'd be a that that'd be a great great reaction to what she's been doing. Mm-hmm. Well, all you have to do is, if you're a Republican and you want to get noticed, uh, just say the worst things possible. Uh, just be a terrible person, and, and you should be on your way to success. So do, do, do terrible things, be a bad person, and you will rise in the ranks of that, of that political party. Do people on both sides, just specifically relating to the marijuana issue, do people on both sides both think that she's full of shit and a liar for her stance in this, or are people believing the ads that are on there? Because it, it would seem pretty clear... The people wanted marijuana. They, yeah. She didn't. Like, and now she's saying she did, but it, you saying you know that there's video and audio saying otherwise. Are people like? Is this? Are pe- are people aware yeah. that she's lying through her teeth? And do, are they accepting of her lies, or like are they believing, or do they know she's full of shit? Yes, they do because like it's just simple. It's like, what did she think in October and November? When marijuana was on the ballot, she literally ran ads on TV saying, don't vote for this. I don't want this in my state. And then once it passed, they fought tooth and nail not to implement it, not to put a plan. Uh, medical marijuana is legal here as of July 1st. So that's been in, in, in uh, South Dakota here for about two weeks. But it's not being ran very well because the local towns and cities and communities were giving no guidance of here's the guidelines you have to follow you want to open up a, a medical marijuana dispensary here here are the guidelines and the rules that doesn't happen each town is being left to their own to come up with that and uh recreational marijuana which should be legal by now it's past july 1st mm-hmm. uh, is not so they're still dragging their feet on that so like she likes to talk about freedom and all that crap I mean, this this is we voted for something that we want in our states. Yep. But we don't have it. Yep. Uh, wow. So that's that's good freedom at work. Blatant hypocrisy at at work. I just wondered, like, if if the GOP is like defending her on this, or I mean, it, it seems pretty clear cut that you can't really support her on this issue because she's lying through her teeth. But I just, yeah, I wondered how that. Well, happen. it's uh, anyway. And, and she was at the, the CPAC thing and had a speech there, and she didn't poll very well in their straw poll. 
And uh, she gave a speech, and obviously her big thing with COVID is that we didn't shut down, we didn't do this, we didn't do that. Well, actually, we did shut down. So that's that's a lie right there. She attacked um, the other GOP governors. I don't know if that's a sound strategy. Again, it's the Trump strategy of attack everybody and anybody, no matter if they're Democrat, Republican. Attack anybody and everybody. Make a name for yourself based on how outlandish things you say. It was, um, see... April 6th of last year, April 6th of last year, uh, she said those in Lincoln and Minnehaha counties, those who were 65 and older, who were not in the best of health, should stay home or in a place of residence if possible. So that's basically a lockdown. Telling people who are of a certain age, do not go out and pick up this virus. So if that's not a lockdown, I don't know what is. She didn't exactly she say it. Like, that's, that's going to be her way to weasel out of that one. And she also, uh, I mean, she shut down the schools. In the middle of March on, the last two months of school, there, there was no school. So that's not a shutdown, and she's claiming, oh, yeah, things were always open. Well, they weren't. And that's just <laughs> another thing that she just changes her story on. Um, speaking of... And, then, and, the, and the funny thing is... There were no fireworks in Mount Rushmore. Yes. Because there usually, there usually isn't, and there was last year. Right. And she's like, oh, why can't we have it? Joe Biden this, Joe Biden that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, last week she also uh, issued a, uh, an executive order of, like, farmers can bale the hay, cut the hay in the uh, waterways and the ditches mm-hmm. for extra hay because it's so dry out. Yes. That, that, that's like why you can't have fireworks because it's so goddamn dry out. <laughs> yes. And yet you're implementing something to give farmers a chance to get more hay uh, for their cattle. It's like she 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 knows why you can't have fireworks in oh, Rushmore because it was so damn dry. Yeah. There were numerous fires this past week in uh, in the Mitchell area in South Central, Southeastern South Dakota. So she knows why. She's not that dumb. Uh, but that's just uh, their strategy. Speaking of bad people, the people of England, some people of England, are not very nice, but not very good, leaving racist comments uh, directed at three players who missed penalty kicks in England's uh, loss in the Euro ch- uh, UEFA Euro 2020 Championship game to Italy. Um, they have been strongly condemned by um, the, like the British Prime Minister and other like other people within the football world but i mean and we've seen this too i mean this is not a unknown or like a, a foreign concept by any means about people leaving terrible messages directed at players or teams racist messages and stuff uh, baseball's best fans a twitter account constantly shows terrible messages left by cardinals fans considered the best fans in baseball not uh, not by any stretch of the imagination but we've seen you know countless um, examples of players and teams getting attacked and, and racist things being said and whatnot. And it's just, it's stupid. It's terrible. Uh, but uh, I, it's a strong condemnation that's coming out from England as a result of this. I don't know if you saw or heard anything, but just curious to know your thoughts because I'm glad they're doing it. And anyone who does this, you know, says this sort of shit. Uh, threatens these players, says racist things, racist, vile things, doesn't deserve to ever walk into a stadium again to be able to support that team. These black players, I assume? Yes, I believe so. 
Yeah, it's soccer. I mean, like we talked about a few months ago, like there's no reason to get this upset over a over any sport. Some teams got to win. Some teams got to lose. You don't have to go nuts with the losing team or a player who's sucking. You say, yeah, that sucks. This guy really cost us the game. But to say some of the things they said, like that's that's too far. Yep. Like obviously they're soccer fans are maybe the most hooligan like crazed fans out there for mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But mm-hmm. like, all right, you lost. Whatever. Like I couldn't care about your, your soccer shit. So. Yep, they are all black. The players, Marcus Rashford, J- uh, Jadon Sancho, and Bukaya Saka. Uh, and they almost uh, spot kicks, penalty kicks in the in England's loss to Italy. Congrats to Italy for winning the UEFA um, Euro ch- 2020 Championship. There, it's just, it's so stupid. Like, I, and I get it. You know, we can take, you can take losses hard. Especially, you know, if your team lost a Super Bowl or, you know, like, you know, the Vikings losing in the NFC Championship game either in 2009 or 1998 or, I mean, if you want to even go to the Philadelphia one a few years back, so be it. You know, teams losing in the Super Bowl, okay, yeah, that's fine. But, I mean, there's a difference between taking a loss hard and then going out and sending vile things. And what Herm Edwards always said something, don't press send. Just don't press send on these things. Like, you can... If you want to write it out and say, and you know, take a little bit of time, like write it on a piece of paper, come back a little bit later and say, Wow, should I type this out and press send? No, scribble it out, throw it away. I mean, these people are just terrible people. Yeah, they are. If you say stuff like that, there's no reason to, to say stuff like that. Speaking, uh, I'm not she's not a terrible person. We'll get to the NBA finals here in a moment, but this is. ESPN is in a quite the conundrum here, uh, quite the pickle, I should say. Maybe it's not a conundrum; it's the pickle, because the NBA Finals, at least leading up to it, have been overshadowed by, or were overshadowed by, the spat between Rachel Nichols, host of The Jump on ESPN, and Maria Taylor. Uh, Rachel Nichols kind of threw out the race card a little bit about Maria Taylor. Because uh, Maria Taylor's black, Rachel Nichols is white. About her getting, you know, the, the assignments for the NBA countdown and whatnot, and these uh, this audio got leaked uh, by the New York Times. They did a big story about it, and as a result, kind of like I don't know if it you know, cancel culture or whatnot. But Rachel Nichols taken off of the NBA Finals coverage. Uh, she is hosting the jump. She did issue an apology. Um, I don't know if Maria Taylor has accepted that yet. At last I saw, she hasn't. But I, I think there's some. I think there's a lot of overreaction going on here. A should Rachel Nichols have said that? No, probably not. Uh, are they competing? What did she say? She said, "Yeah, they, they give Maria Taylor more opportunities because ESPN doesn't have a very good record of diversity." Yeah, and it's, it's 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 fairly true if you've listened now to you know like J- the Jamel Hills of the world kind of come out about it. Let, I'll get these exact comments up here. So like, is she wrong about that? I said she said that if you need to give Maria Taylor more things to do because you're feeling pressure about your crappy longtime record on diversity, then go for it. Like apparently, like she was mad because what she didn't get the. A certain assignment 
or something last year. Yep, I, it was uh, for the for the bubble and stuff. Here's what um, here's what Rachel Nichols said in July of 2020. I wish Maria Taylor all the success in the world. Uh, if you need to give her more things to do because you are feeling uh, crappy. If you're feeling pressure about your crappy long-time record on diversity, which, by the way, I know personally from the female side of it, like, go for it. Just find it somewhere else. You're not going to find it from me or taking my thing away. Um, I can understand her point of view of she felt like she maybe deserved to, to be in that spot. Since she is kind of their NBA reporter yep. person hosting their daily show about the NBA. So, and then they come to her and say, yeah, we're going to give it to Maria Taylor, which honest to Christ, I didn't even know she, she was on the, what the pregame show, the NBA, or whatever. Um, NBA countdown. Yep. She's just hosting this. I believe is her first year hosting that because she took I, over. That, that, was, that was news to me. I, or maybe, I had no idea. She was the host of, of the NBA pregame show. Maybe, I had no idea. Maybe it's year two. Cause she took over for Michelle Beadle. Who, oh, who left. Um, and the, I guess, you know, for Rachel Nichols, though, to talk about this is a little, is a little bit hypocritical because she left ESPN, I believe, uh, I, or her contract was up. They didn't renew it. Anyway, she left ESPN. She she left for CNN uh, and, and did stuff there for, for Turner and stuff before coming back. So it's not like Rachel Nichols has been at ESPN, you know, for, you know, 10, 20 consecutive years. She had that little break in there before she came back, and that's when she hosted the jump. I think people are going, oh, I, I don't think she should have necessarily said it, but I think that there's so much overreaction here, and Maria Taylor could have, you know, maybe, you know, put the kibosh on this or, you know, quelled some of the uh, the anger that's going out here by either accepting the apology or you know just you know saying something and now like there's there's a battle with her uh, that she's up for a new contract she was reportedly offered five million a year she rejected that hoping for a little bit more and now it seems like she might be in the ballpark range of three million dollars still a lot of money she does a lot of stuff though so I don't know if she banked a little bit higher on maybe her skills and what someone else like maybe a Fox Sports might have been attempting to go for like bid for her I don't know that for a fact but it just now you go for three million dollars a year and Rachel Nichols is she ever going to recover from this I would say yes it it's it's really fascinating though how this story has kind of captured the entire Country like it was on news stations, you know, the NBC nightly news, CBS was covering it. It was on CNN. Fox News was talking about it. Like, these, this isn't a huge story, but it's a big enough story now in these, you know, kind of cancel culture, or the the woke movement, however you want to, you know, phrase it or describe it. On people just kind of going ah oh, and a, a way above and beyond with their reaction. For something like this. Like she said this in private and didn't know she was being taped, so that's yep. one aspect of it. That's another that's a that's something else that's bad about this whole thing. So however that that figures out, I don't know. Yeah, it was probably a bigger deal than it needed to be. Um, it's not like she was really going after Maria Taylor so much as I thought she was going after ESPN. 
and like Maria Taylor, like five million, get get whatever you can get. You know, she's not going to get five million. Um, again, like Maria Taylor, like she's fine at what she does. Like when I like we we had we had our announcer draft a couple months ago, did we not? Yes, we did. Yep. And was she even on there? I don't think she was. Was she? Um, Maria Taylor. I feel like she was, but I need to. I need to pull it. Like I like she may like again like like what what does she bring? What what again? Sideline reporter, pregame show host. She she's hosted the NCAA women's tournament now for the last few years. Uh, She does a good job with that. College football, college game day. Reporting. Man, she, she does a fine job. She doesn't. When I'm going through, oh, who, who's the best sideline reporters? Like, like her name to me doesn't come up up to mind. Again, I didn't even know she was hosting the pregame show. That's how much I care about this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how is it so bad? How are they so bad? It, it, it hurts that TNT has the best show of any kind going for yes. a long time. Yep. God damn, like ESPN, Jalen Rose, it's just like, it's just every year it's a different cast of characters. Like, you, you never know from one year to the next who's going to be on that, that, that pregame show. Exactly. Yep. And they don't offer anything of note. So, like, Maria Taylor, $5 million, that's ridiculous. Like, what what does she add to the broadcast to me, not a whole lot? I would much rather um, pay Maria Taylor $5 million than I would Mike Greenberg $6 million, or $7 million. Like what? What media person? Like who deserves that type of money? Like we've seen people go from ESPN mm-hmm. to Fox, like Colin Cowherd, who I think is terrible. Yeah, Mark Clarence, Adam, Skip Moon, who is obviously awful. Yep, for Ad- millions. Like, and and they haven't brought any audience. Nobody watches their shows. No, nope. how they get paid? What they get paid? And. Essentially, nobody watches them. I mean, that is how is that even possible? I, I don't even, I don't even know how that's possible. I don't know. So, yeah, that's... but you got other people like like a Dan Levitard who we like, and they just let him go. Right. Okay. Dan Patrick has done well, and they just let him go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Van Pelt's the, the best guy they've got. Yep. And they've kind of made him big, so that's good. But they, like we said, they've let, let, let so many people go. Like um, Chris Berman. They let I me. Mean, they reduced Chris Berman's role, like getting him off of Countdown, not doing primetime yeah. anymore. And, like now he does just some uh, spare stuff. Like he, he, I think he was going to call the Home Run Derby. He does some baseball stuff for ESPN Radio. He might do uh, the like NFL primetime after the Super Bowl. He'll do it on ESPN Plus. Yeah, he does some stuff on it. It's just, yeah, it's like, why would you get rid of arguably, I mean, the voice, the face of NFL on ESPN, and you just discard him? Now, is it, maybe is it some but of the answers? Marie Taylor wanted to fight. I'm not giving Marie Taylor like even a million dollars. And okay, all right, you want to go to Fox? Go ahead. Like, you're going to save a bunch of money. It's literally going to make no difference to your presentation, not going to make no difference to your ratings. It's like it's going to make no difference to the quality of your broadcast whether or not Maria Taylor is there for multiple millions of dollars. So why would you give somebody millions of dollars if if they don't make any difference? What difference does she make 
to any broadcast that she is on. Oh. Like, is she easily replaceable? Could you replace her and be like, all right, replace her with anybody? Well, would you say that, because I'm trying to think here, when Erin Andrews left, she was she was kind of like the, the college football, yes. college game day, right? And then... Yeah, and, like, and they, they replaced, replaced her when it, it didn't matter at all. It's like, all right, they replaced her, they moved on. Well, they replaced her with we, Sam Ponder, I believe. Or Sam, whatever. Yeah. Is it Sam, maybe it was Sam Steele at the time. It became Ponder. Yeah. She married Christian Ponder. And then you, she was good. And then they lost her. And it, to your point, though, it's like, okay, you know, they, they find someone else good to do this. Now, Malika yeah. Andrews is doing the NBA Finals reporting, and she's been a, a, a rising star um, climbing up the ranks here. I, I just, I don't know if this is like a. It's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to bash Maria Taylor, but it's like just anybody. Just, just fill in the blank. Like Aaron Andrews, they let her go. She went to Fox. She's their number one reporter. So, okay, did that affect ESPN? Do less people watch ESPN because Aaron Andrews isn't on their college football coverage? It's like, no. I think it's like, all right. Like, if you lose, like, maybe uh, one of their, you know, if you lose one of their top guys, then maybe, yeah, that might affect things. Like, if you lose uh, Kirk Herbstreet, I could say, oh, yeah, maybe people would not like that. Right. But, like, you lose a sideline reporter? Like, no. I think I think the thing with Maria Taylor though is she is so uh, versatile because she can she can do so many things. You're not getting her just for the sideline reporting on the ABC Saturday Night College Football Game of the Week. You're getting her for the college football uh, the college game day reporting. You're getting her for hosting the uh, the NCAA Women's Tournament. You're getting her for uh, for the NBA, so her versatility is why she's worth so much money. So I I I think she is worth you know the multi millions of dollars. I just this whole fight with Rachel Nichols. I think her comments should again should she have made them? No. Uh, would she have made them if she knew she was being being video, uh, being recorded? I doubt. Uh, uh, a hundred percent. I don't believe she would have, uh, but no. but maybe maybe she would. Still, I I'm guessing I'm gonna say she wouldn't have. But she's fighting for her job and a sport that she thinks you know she's kind of had a market on there at ESPN. It's just you gotta watch what you say. But at the end of the day, I think this is a a, a it became a much bigger story than it needed to. I, I was just more fascinated by the reaction and everything. Yeah, yeah going on within the story versus the actual story itself again yeah. i think i i would hope that they that espn can you know smooth things over with each of them uh i don't know if they will but I, n- no one looks good in this rachel nichols doesn't look good for the comments maria taylor doesn't necessarily look good for her silence on this or you know you know accepting the apology by rachel nichols uh, ESPN certainly doesn't look good for their, you know, track record on diversity and just this whole, you know, cat fight, uh, so to speak. It just, it's a bad situation all the way around, and it completely overshadowed the start of the NBA Finals, which was already kind of lacking in uh, a lot of star power, a lot of, it was just a lackluster Finals uh, series between the, the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes, you have Giannis, and yes, you have Chris Paul, but 
you know, this isn't the the LeBrons of the world, the the, the Trey Youngs, the, the the New York Knicks, the you know the Philadelphia 76ers. It's no, not that. Knicks. It's not that. So that was already bad, and now you have this story kind of overshadowing that, at least at the beginning uh, of Game One, and it's been really hush hush. You know, like no one's saying anything about it, which I find a little surprising. But maybe they've been given, you know, they've they've been given the gag act and stuff, like say, hey, zip, zip it. You can't t- you can't say anything about this, uh, which I don't know if that's good strategy or not by ESPN until they can, you know, like I said, you know, put the fire out. To transition that into the finals, yeah. I've watched a little bit of it. I haven't watched a lot of it, but I'm more interested in this finals than last year because last year was just awful. Yes, uh, I didn't care the year before when it was Toronto Golden State. Uh, people were tired. What was it? Four years in a row of Cleveland Golden State. Yeah, yeah, three or four years. Did they split? Like four years in a row. Like people were tired of that. Yeah, I, I really wasn't because those were the two best teams. So. If the two best teams make it, whatever, and Golden State had a little bit of a, a run there. So I'm interested in this because it's new teams. The NBA, you know, this is a very odd finals because, you know, Giannis is a star, but it looked like he was going to be out for a long time, but he's back and yep. he's killing it. They needed to win last night to make it a series. Yep. And then the Suns, they'd be the most surprising finals team I can ever remember going by what their expectations were at the beginning of the year. Absolutely. Um, I don't remember a team ever like this just coming out of nowhere and saying, oh, yeah, we're going to be a borderline playoff team at the start of the year, and we're just going to steamroll through everybody. Again, Phoenix, they can still win this thing in five games and blow them out, but we'll see what happens. But um, if if Giannis wins, that does a lot for him because I didn't think there was any way he would – Make a finals or, or or win a finals with Milwaukee. Yep, and he's playing he somewhere else. Yeah, he's playing out of his mind right now. Yep. All three games. It's not just the the. It's not yeah. just the game three win. He's played great in each of the first two games. He just didn't have the help. And if Chris Paul can somehow pull this out, that'd be unbelievable for his career. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and I was thinking, like, why the hell stacking was game three on Sunday? And game four is on until Wednesday. You're not moving anywhere. Why is there two game two days between games? It's it's a great. And I thought about it and I said, well, the All Star game is Tuesday. I'm sure they're not going to put a NBA Finals game on the same day as the baseball All Star game. So at least I'm at least I'm fine with that. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Yep. Uh, well, then game five is Saturday, and then game. I don't like that. I'm sure they want to get on the weekend and. Then game six is Tuesday, and then game seven, Thursday. Is game five, where's that at? That's in Phoenix. Okay. Well, I that's think, fine. Aren't they doing the 2 2 one, 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 I believe, for now? I hope so. And if they are, that makes sense. But I, I don't know what it is. It's just the NBA drags this on forever <clears throat> and ever and ever. And it's just, it's annoying. Uh, the series is. I, I kind of. I hope the Suns win. I think. I don't care who wins. Actually, I mean, because as you mentioned, these these are two very new teams. The Suns are you know new to the finals, shall we say? Because the Suns have never won a championship before, and the Milwaukee Bucks haven't won one since Lou Alcindor, oh, aka Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, played for them and won it in the seventies. So. 
neither of these teams like have been around the finals a lot, so no one can get really sick of them. But if you look at the ratings, whew, they aren't very good. Almost, almost 10 million people watched last night. Well, that's ratings good. aren't good, but... Well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fine with this being the finals compared to what it could have been. Um, I think if they had the Nets in there, it would have been better. But because you probably feel strongly one way or the other about the Nets. Yep. Um, but I'm fine with the finals the way they are. And I just as a franchise, I like Phoenix more than Milwaukee. Um. These games starting after nine o'clock Eastern, though, that's ridiculous. You got to bump that up to eight, right? I mean, eight eight o'clock Central Time. I guess what six in Phoenix would be the local start. I guess. Yeah. Six or seven. Well, I mean, yeah, these games are gonna get done at ten thirty at night, so yeah, it's not terrible. It's okay. Uh, let's see. What's the current time in? Phoenix right now it's uh yeah two fifty four so they are two hours behind us Arizona's weird because they they don't uh they don't follow yeah. daylight savings time or spring ahead so well, you probably don't want to start an NBA finals game at five o'clock Phoenix time no you probably don't nope you probably it's don't. for them so I'll compromise eight o'clock all right <laughs> so that's that uh we'll, we'll well, see they started stacking at like eight eighteen. Why don't they start at 8.12? Ah, because it's not... Why don't they start at 7.56? Well, because it's not the Super Bowl. <laughs> no, they're not the Super Bowl or the Final Four or some stupid shit like that. Okay. Well, I mean, they, to be... Yeah, I guess uh, I was trying to think, like, in the other games, too, uh, in the NCAA tournament, they have odd stack times, but that's because it's always a half hour after the, yeah. the final buzzer. So, I mean, you can schedule it for... Uh, like eleven ten and then one forty, but that you're not guaranteeing that those games are going to no. get done. We're going to play the Super Bowl at five twenty six. Like whatever, it's odd. Just start at five thirty or five fifteen. I don't know. It sure is. It's it's odd. That's for sure. But uh, the Bucks and the Suns right now, Phoenix leading that series two games to one. Uh, we'll see. I think Phoenix is going to bounce back and win Game Four, but. Uh, the Deer District is is hot right now. Giannis is playing out of his mind. Uh, DeAndre Ayton needs to have a better game. But uh, Devin Booker and Chris Paul, what a tandem. And uh, Cam Johnson from North Carolina doing good stuff. Oh, the Timberwolves had that pick eventually and traded him to Phoenix. So th- that's you know just another feather in the cap of the of Timberwolves basketball. They always they always make good decisions. They do. They do. Really do. You know, Johnny Flynn, Ricky Rubio could have had Steph Curry twice. Twice! <laughs> Not doing it. I mean, just... Fuck. Anyway. Uh, let's go to the baseball here. Um, first half of the season is done. All-Star game is in Colorado. People are upset about that because they moved it from Atlanta because of the voting rights. Blah, 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 blah. Um, so some people are upset about it. But now we get to see the... True main attraction, and regardless of where the All Star Game is, they could play it in, uh, you know, the middle of you know nowhere, Nebraska or Little Rock, Arkansas or Caribou, Maine, for all I care. And I would want to see Shohei Otani. He's going to be the starter, uh, starting pitcher for the American League. He's going to hit. Uh, he, what he's in the home run derby, right? I mean, he's doing it all this year. He is the main attraction. 
and is going to be fascinating to watch him. He has been the true highlight of the baseball season. Him and Jacob Degrom, without question. That'd be that, that. That sounds about right. As far as him as a pitcher, like he probably shouldn't be on the team as a pitcher. Not that it matters. He's already on the team. He should be on the team as a hitter, obviously. Yeah. Um, probably shouldn't be on as a pitcher. And he obviously, he's not the best starter in the American League. He shouldn't be starting. But you know, whatever. Like this is somebody that people want to watch. So. This, this is going to be his week. I mean, if he wins this home run derby and, you know, he he does something on the mound and, and does something with the bat, I mean, this is set up for him to be, to be something here because he's had an unbelievable first half. And good on baseball. And I don't know, maybe there's some pressure. I, I, is it Kevin Cash is the manager of the American League, and we all know what he did with the Rays in the World Series last year. Um, but... I don't know if there was some pressure from Major League Baseball, but we've often talked about how, I mean, baseball tends to not market their stars really well. I mean, Mike Trout, fantastic player, and he's just kind of lost out there in the middle of nowhere with the Angels. Uh, you know, baseball didn't hasn't done a real great job marketing him. It seems, though, like they have learned their lesson because they are gonna, they're trying to do everything they can to showcase Shohei Otani, and that's the best part in all of this. With baseball... You know, people say that stuff about baseball. And Mike Trout's the best player, but he's just bland, you know. it's He's just some random guy. Like, you, you look like... He, he, I, like, Mike Trout, I feel like he could walk a lot of places and people would not know who the fuck Mike Trout is. Like, can he go to the grocery store? I think he could probably go to a lot of places. But is that because so, baseball hasn't marketed him well enough that he's become, like, so, a recognizable figure? I think it's just because of the way he looks. Like, there's no like. How how would you describe Mike Trout? Mm. If you're if you're describing to Kelsey, does she know who Mike Trout is? Uh, highly unlikely. If you were if you were describing to your mom, here's Mike Trout. He's a really good baseball player. He's the best baseball player uh, for for quite some time. Mm-hmm. How would you describe him? A generic-looking white guy who's muscular, six four, muscular, a six-four white guy. I couldn't even short hair. He's I couldn't even just like a just a a guy like a you know a guy. I couldn't even tell you the color of his hair or his eyes. I think he's like just short blonde hair. Okay, if you were to describe. Bryson, uh, Bryce Harper. How would you describe Bryce Harper? Ooh. Um, if, if Bryce Harper walks down the street or somewhere, you're like, even if you don't know who he is, you would say he's got to be somebody because he's got a certain look. He's got the hair. He's got the mohawk. He's got the hair. Like he, Bryce Harper, who's also a star, he looks like somebody. Mm-hmm. Like if I say Mike Trout is, you know, he's he's great. He's the best. That's not up for debate. Right. And Bryce Harper is extremely good as well. But, you know, you look at some of these guys in the in the home run derby, like Matt Olson of Oakland. Like, he can go anywhere. Nobody knows who the fuck Matt Olson is. Well, yes, yes, very true. Trey, Trey Mancini, great story with his, what, what he, uh, testicular cancer, whatever he had. Mm-hmm. Last week, he's back, he's killing it. Yep. But again, just a random guy on a, not a very good team, Trey Mancini. Like, he can go places. Yep. Nobody's going to bombard it. 
Trey Mancini. Yeah. So, and I guess the right. Hawker has a certain look. Yep, the Hawker last... doesn't have the mohawk. I apologize. He's got the long hair, but he's got the beard. But you're right. He has. A, I'm just looking at pictures now between him and Mike Trout, and yeah, uh, Mike Trout looks like a normal dude. Yes. Uh, like Ken Griffey Jr. Like was he the last big star in baseball yet? Sosa McGuire, Barry Bonds, but, probably. Barry Bonds, yeah. Like, but but Ken Griffey Jr. was just cool. Derek Jeter, too. I think Derek yeah, Jeter. He was, a, he was a big star. Like, Ken Griffey Jr. was probably my favorite growing up. Like, he, the way he swung, just the way he played. He had a, he had a Nintendo 64 Jr. baseball That's, game for, named after him, for crying out loud. Yeah, I mean, uh, he was the star of baseball. Yeah. For a time. Yep. So, you know, a lot, a lot of guys out there um, for baseball. And, yeah, Shohei Otani. Like, it feels like it should be a bigger deal. We'll see what happens, you know, once we get through this week and the rest of the season. But his team's not making the playoffs. No. And, like, this guy is going to hit 50 home runs and also throw 150 innings. It's This is what, you know, he was – this is what he can do. And uh, he's going to be a pitcher and he's going to hit. And he's going to be really good at both. And he is. And – I mean, nobody's ever seen anything like this, but this is, like, he, it, it, like he's going to hit 50 home runs. And That's he, insane. And he doesn't take batting practice, reportedly. Insane. Uh, he's, he's just so good. Now, granted, I don't know if I could necessarily pick Otani out of a, a line, but I guess, you know, you kind of know Ichiro Suzuki. Um you, you but know. he's a bigger, like he's like he's like six four. He's like I would, I would imagine he's a pretty well put together yeah. athlete. Yep. Yeah, um, but I, I, I agree to your point that you know Mike Trout kind of does look like a dude. I just think I do think though if if and yes maybe it's his personality a little bit, but I think baseball could have done a little bit more to market him. But uh, you know what Stephen A. Smith had to say today. I did. I did not. What did he say? Oh boy. Oh boy. Here's here's another Maria Taylor type. Oh no. This thing. Oh no. Saw it on Twitter because I was I'm not watching that show. Saw it on Twitter this afternoon, and people are going nuts. He made a. I think he made a point. Uh, Stephen A. Smith talking about Otani and how that. Essentially, I looked at it like he would be a bigger star if he could speak English because he doesn't speak English. He needs a, a translator, an interpreter. Mm-hmm. And now uh, people are roasting Stephen A. Smith because he said this, and they think it's racist and all that stuff. But I feel like he's got a point of Joey Otani doesn't speak English, which is whatever. I'm watching a MLB thing right now. He's he's talking to the people on the set with the interpreter. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he can't speak a little English, but he uses an interpreter. Like uh, to me, I mean, I. I think he would be a bigger star if he could speak English, would he not? I I, I don't think that's uh, like wrong people to are think. killing him. And they're saying, well, it shouldn't matter whether or not he speaks English, and that's racist and whatever. But it's like if LeBron James spoke German, would he be as big of a star? <laughs> would, would, would Tiger Woods have been a biggest been as big of a star if he only spoke Chinese or Japanese or Vietnamese and he didn't speak English? Well, I mean, think of, um, you know, 
Oh, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of baseball players that come from you know the Dominican Republic, from Venezuela, yes. that don't speak. You know they, that they do have these interpreters and stuff. And I do think for fans, it's sometimes hard because you don't get to really know what they're saying, or is that really what they're saying? Like, is the translator catching everything? Um, yeah, I, like it just makes sense to me that if you don't speak the native language of whatever country you're competing in. Like, you're probably not going to be as big of a star over there if you can't speak the the common tongue. Because you can't, yeah, because you can't speak, you, you can't have a general conversation with those fans there, yes. like, in the country. I would, I would assume that would be the same thing for the Korean league, you know, for the Korean baseball. You know, there are some players who used to play in major American league baseball that's over there. Or, uh, like, the Chinese basketball league when Stefan Marbury was there. Ooh. I would imagine, you know, he needed to, you know, speak a little... Uh, Chinese there, a little Mandarin, whatever, you know, to, you know, to help kind of integrate himself in that. I, I see both. I get, it shouldn't just be, yeah, you, you should be able to speak some English. I think to have that conversation, I think it could help. I don't think it's a terrible thing, it, but I think it would help. I do. Um, it's, it's but so tough because it's about that. It, uh, I can understand, but it's like, I believe he does have a like a legitimate point. So I don't believe he's just pulling shit out of his ass just to make attention for himself. So that was a big thing today. So it, it's the whole thing. Like again, it kind of goes back to the Maria Taylor, Rachel Nichols thing about you know people jumping down other stuff. Like oh, cancel call. Oh, we gotta just like you know what? Just listen and maybe think like okay. Where you know, try and open up more of a dialogue rather than jump down people's throats right away and just come up with accusations. Because I, I mean, th- isn't it isn't that common sense? Like, just think about well, what. Like it, my, 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 yeah, my thing is, would Otani be a bigger star if he could speak English? I would tend to think yes. Does it hold him back? Maybe a little. I don't know how much. Would it make a difference? Maybe. But whatever. Uh, John Cena, you, you know who John Cena is? Yes. And he hasn't wrestled full-time for a few years now. He's kind of... He'll come back sometime, but John Cena's transitioned to movies and, and TV shows. Yep, he's host, uh, and, co-host of the of Wipeout, and I see him in a glad, hefty uh, trash bag commercials. Yes. I think he's also the voice of an elephant on a pistachios commercial. Oh, is he? Yes, and um, he's also um, uh, for the credit uh, commercial, uh, Experian, uh, the purple yeah, cow. Something, something with that. And he's in the new Fast. Yeah, he's in the new Fast and Furious movie. So. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah, no, the, the ninth installment of the Fast and Furious. So he, he's doing that stuff, and he learned Mandarin because China is a big deal and a large market uh-huh. and a consumer of media and movies and whatnot. And John Cena learned Mandarin in order to speak to the media and whoever else over in China, which makes a lot of fucking sense. I'm going to learn the language over there because I want to get involved and be as big of a star as I can. And it would make sense to 
learn the language of that culture. I mean, that's just common sense. So well, I think that that could be said for not just like sports, but like anyone who comes to the United States or if, if someone from the United States moved to like Iceland or uh, or like Germany or something, you should probably be able to speak or you need to learn the native tongue. You don't have to completely drop the your, or you don't have to completely drop your native tongue. You don't have to completely forget English. But learn what the what people are the, the language that people are speaking in the country that you're in to be able to have those conversations with them as well as conversations with people of your same dialect. Right? I mean that be multi uh, to me that just makes sense. I feel like that just that would just help you in general everyday life. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's not. It's not just oh, uh, English or Americans the best. So you know we have to force English on all these ones. No, it's to be able to help communicate better here in this country. If you go to Mexico, you should probably learn how to speak Spanish. Yes, if you go to France, you probably need to go to speak French. Italian, Ita- like go to Italy, speak um, Italian. I mean, it's it. It doesn't matter where. It's just it helps. There's been a lot of. You know, saying this is anti-Asian type stuff that we've seen. Mm-hmm. This is racist. Um, I, I mean, you know, people. I don't know. He, he sent out a video. I don't know what he said. Um, I, I don't know. So, well, well I'm sure there'll be something. Reason, but reasonable minds, I think, like I would think you and I would look at that and say, eh, I'm not offended by it. I don't think it's necessarily racist. Maybe would I have said it? Probably, you know, maybe not, but I understand where he's coming from. I'm not, it's it's not a big deal to me. It's not a big it's, deal. It's one of those things where you, I see it and I see the reaction right away and people go nuts and it's like, well, then I should feel this way because everybody else feels this way. Everybody else feels that this is wrong. Mm-hmm. And his ex- exact quote was, I don't think it helps that the number one face is a dude that needs an interpreter so you can understand what the hell he's saying in this country. That's kind of a brash way to put it. So but, you know. It, it, so maybe it's not, is it so much the message or the way he said it? Like that, it's. I think it's the message. I think it's 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 the message. It's I, th- the message. I think there are way too many. Well, you know, Stephen A. Smith has a certain way of talking, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, I think he put, it, he put it that way. That you know, I think the number one attraction in baseball is the guy who can't speak English, yep. who needs an interpreter, and then we've talked about you know how, and people are just going nuts about that. When to me, it's just like it would probably help Otani. He would be a bigger star if. I think there are so many people who are looking to for something to be offended by so they can just start fighting. Like that's that's kind of where we're at here. Uh, regardless, I mean, it, it doesn't. It, it's just that's where we are as a country. There are a lot of people who are just looking to be offended on something and and start a fight and just get on a cause. Well, this is, or can't again cancel culture, which is running rampant. And I mean, some stuff is good to get canceled. Other stuff not. This is an example of something, again, being blown way out of proportion. It's going far more extreme than what it needs to be. We need to swing the pendulum back to the middle here. Let's just have a calm, simple dialogue like what you and I have just had regarding this. Making some points, listening. That's what it's all about. So, again, kind of ridiculous there. Uh, The first half of the baseball season is in the books. 
What is this? Uh, we'll get to your pitcher and hitter of the first half here momentarily. But what what's your, some of your biggest takeaways or storylines outside of Shohei Atani that you've seen so far this season? It feels like in recent years the the American League has had all the good teams, and yes. the National League outside of the Dodgers hasn't. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's more balanced this year, and I feel like all the good teams might be in the National League. With yeah. the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Padres, and Milwaukee's pretty good. Yeah. In the American League, you've got Houston, you've got the White Sox, you've got the Red Sox, you've got Tampa. I feel like it's more balanced this year. Mm-hmm. To, uh, like, World Series favorite right now, I don't know, everybody would pick the, the Dodgers, I suppose, and probably Houston, I guess. Houston Dodgers, again, which is, those teams have been good for a while now. That, so, that's almost like Golden State Cleveland in the NBA. Yeah. But like baseball, it's so tough to get to the World Series. Mm-hmm. Like the Dodgers have proven that for the last 10 years. How tough it is to actually get there and win it. So I think whatever the World Series ends up being, like there could be like one of 10 teams that could get there. Yeah, it's as wide, uh, o- it's as wide open as it's been for quite some time. Yeah. If like you were to tell me uh, three months from now, the Brewers are going to be in the World Series. I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, that could happen. The Brewers are really good, you know. The the Mets, their pitching's gonna get them there. They're gonna add some offense at the trade deadline. Well, all right, yeah, the Mets could maybe get that done, you know. The Giants, they've been surprised the baseball best record. Say, so what's their? How many wins are they on pace for here? They are on pace for a hundred and three, hundred and four wins. So. Kind of what people thought the Dodgers would do. I'm sure the Dodgers are going to be right around 100 wins. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that National League uh, wildcard playoff, that's going to be something else. Yep. Probably going to be the Padres versus one of those other two teams. Yep. Well, that's probably going to be one of the, the bigger wildcard playoff games they've had. And uh, the Twins suck. Twins are the disappointment of baseball. Yep. Just, just an awful first half. Just Are the awful. Padres also disappointing because they've had some really good peaks, Who is and it? then the the Padres like the Padres have been really good at times, and then all other times like wait what the hell's what the hell just happened? What are you doing here? Um, I don't know. They they just seem to be a little off to me. They aren't as good as what they should be given the talent on paper. I think if the Giants weren't as good, people would be like, oh yeah, the Dodgers lead the division like everyone thought. And the Padres would be four games behind, kind of like everybody thought. But because the Giants are so good, you look at the Padres, they're six games back, they're a wild, they're wild card team, they're, they're on pace for 92 wins. Uh, Blake Snell's been terrible. Yeah. So he's not worked out. You Darvish has been good. Uh, Fernando Tatis has stayed healthy after that. That shoulder dislocation. Mm-hmm. Manny Machado's been killing it. So, you know, the Padres, they win no 90. I mean, they're the playoffs, like we said a couple weeks ago, playoffs are pretty much set. Like, you know, the only division really up for grabs is the, uh, you know, we got the AL East. That's only a game and a half between Boston and Tampa. Chicago, they're going to win the Central. Houston's going to win the West. Mets probably going to win the East. Milwaukee, I think they've got that wrapped up. And the West, you know, probably going to be the Dodgers or the Giants. So, 
if I were, we still have about seventy games to go, but like we we I feel confident in like probably nine of the ten playoff teams right now. If I were to give you a uh, take your pick, which team is more likely to finish atop their division? Will you take the Red Sox, game and a half up on Tampa, or will you take the Giants, two games up on the Dodgers? Ooh. That's interesting. Because I don't have faith in Boston. I don't really know how they've... they've... I would take the Giants, because they have the best... uh, The Giants have the best pitching in baseball. Mm Mm-hmm. I would take the Giants more so than than Boston. Yep. I don't. I still don't have. I'm, I'm waiting for the Giants to take that step back. It's just gonna like, I, can this really continue? But like you, I, yeah, I, they're really, I they're think really good. Their pitching is what's carrying them, and I trust them more so than I do uh, Boston because I think Tampa can get hot. Or, I mean, Tampa's, you know, just a game and a half back. At some point, the Yankees are going to wake up and say, oh, yeah, we have all these great players. We have all this money. It's time we play like it. Toronto's still, you know, a a decent team. I I just don't trust Boston as much as I do uh, the Giants. And even the Giants, I don't trust a whole hell of a lot. The Cubs have really fallen off. The the Mets haven't – I guess the Mets have been okay here as of late, but, you know, they just – don't seem that NL East is so average. I think we've said that pretty much all season long. We started at like two, three weeks in, everyone was just right around 500, and that's kind of been the case. I mean, the Marlins, nine games back, it, you know, they're 39 and 50, they're 11 games under 500. They're not, they're not great, but they're not a terrible, terrible team either. And the fact that Don Mattingly, like it was announced last week, that he would come back for another year, I'm like, well, he should. He's not that bad of a manager, and given the state of the Marlins, for them to be where they're at, and they made the playoffs last year, I'd say that's sort of you know very you know reasonable for them to you know to bring Mattingly back. I just don't think the Marlins are as bad. But the, again, the NL East just very average. And you got a lot of teams out in the East Coast that spend a lot of money, like the Phillies, who you know Zach Wheeler's been great, and they got Bryce Harper, but mm-hmm. and the Phillies are. Uh, a 500 team. What are they? They're, yeah, they are a 500 team. They're exactly 500. Yeah. The Braves have been disappointing. Ronald Acuna Jr. towards ACL, so he's out for the next year. Terrible. Terrible loss. Season. Terrible. He's a future Hall of Famer, 21, 22 years old. He's probably the, he's, he's probably the second biggest star in baseball right now behind Shohei Itani. Yeah, he's, he's a great young player. And you got the, the Nationals who have done diddly-poo since they won it all a couple years ago, so and they were even yeah. just like three games, four games back of the of the Mets here not too long ago, and now they've fallen off the 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 rails a little bit, two and eight in their last ten. So they had a chance to to make a move, and now they've fallen back considerably. It feels like people are waiting for the the Nationals to to make the run. If anybody's going to overtake the Mets, I think people think it's going to be be Washington. But I think just looking at it now, I think the the 10 playoff teams are set right now. I think there's not going to be a single team that is not in the playoffs right now that's not going to be there at the end of the season. You have uh, Tampa and Oakland's your wild card. That could change. Mm-hmm. But I think both Tampa and Oakland, who's going to who's gonna knock Oakland off? Is it going to be Seattle? No, we've never talked about Seattle. They're five over 500. 
A surprise. The run a big surprise. But the run differential is minus 50. That's just remarkable. Things don't correlate. I believe they're going to come to back to the pack. Meanwhile, Toronto, only three games under or three games over 500, they're plus 72. Yep. Well, Seattle is a game better than Toronto. The run differentials are 122 runs different, which is Seattle, huge. Seattle also has been no hit, what, three times this year already? I mean, that's... Mm-hmm. times. That's, that's hard if to do. Team, my, my team in the second half stack and my team in the second half. Yeah. Uh, it's not this team, but I want to mention the Reds. Yeah, the Reds, it's they, nice. uh, yeah. Yep. They took three or four from Milwaukee. Uh, my team in the second half is your is your team. It's your Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, thank you. Thank you. They're four and a half back in the wild card, eight back in the division. I think if any team can go from out of the playoffs into the playoffs, I would pick the Toronto Blue Jays. Very good. Very good. Uh, what happened to the Cubs? I mean, the Cubs just fell apart. They lost 11 games in a row. They won a yeah. couple now here, but they're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. I mean, they, them and the Cardinals are just sinking. And the Cardinals have been just average all season long. But... Um, and the Cubs, they were right up there with the Brewers. Uh, their offense started really slow to start the season. Then they got hot. They were they were atop the NL Central, and all of a sudden they have come just crashing down. I mean, they're they're now they're talking about selling off, you know, players and stuff like this could be a rebuild. Like, what the hell happened? Were the Cubs exceeding expectations, and now have just come back down to earth where they should be? What's your thought on that? Uh, their pitching is not good. Kind of like the Twins. Kind of like Twins. Twins have bad pitching. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, their number one guy, just having a blah year. Zach Davies through the no-hitter. He's there. He's near four and a half. Uh, Jake Arrieta's toast. Get him out of here. It's fucking area. He's north of six. <laughs> he's 35. He should not pitch baseball anymore. Remember when he was like the Jacob deGrom of yeah. Major League Baseball for a while there? Yeah, he had a pretty good run years ago. Uh, Craig Kimbrell's refound himself, so they should trade him. He's having a great year. Uh, Chris Bryant has bounced back. He's he's an all-star. He's uh, having a good year. So, yeah, they got some pieces. Seems like Chris Bryant's always in a trade. Uh, <clears throat> a rumor, I don't know why you want, wouldn't want to keep him. He's near 30, but I would say you can probably get rid of Craig Kimbrell. He can get you maybe something. Um but yeah, the, the pitching for the Cubs is absolutely garbage. The one thing I will say about the Twins is that they have good hitters. It's the pitching that is just the problem. We've mentioned that all season long. But Jorge Polanco's playing really good. Uh, you know, Max mm-hmm. Kepler's good. I don't know if you know what's going to happen with Josh Donaldson or Nelson Cruz. But the Twins have the players offensively. They just need the pitching to turn on, and that's not going to happen this year, obviously. But, uh, you know, nice to see that, you know, a, a walk-off homer by Jorge Polanco on Sunday to, to beat the Tigers. But, yeah, uh, the Twins, very, very disappointing. Yeah, because it was exciting because, you know, they were, they've were they been good for a couple years. And a full season, it's kind of been a lost season. Their moves in the offseason have not worked. And we'll see who they trade. One of my pet peeves is... You know, are you a seller or a buyer? Like, can you, like, just not be nothing? Mm-hmm. Can you just like, keep the players you have? Um, and the Twins obviously need pitching. Like, is it impossible for them to trade for a pitcher for next season? 
why does it always have to be what's what, what's going uh, what are we doing for this season what are we doing for the playoff run you know they're going to need pitching next year so why not trade for some pitching now mm-hmm. uh, before the offseason I don't know if it'll cost you more since you're bidding against all these other teams but like the Twins next year they should be they should be better than this year they've been a disappointment so do you trade Nelson Cruz I would he's, he's been great trade him you trade Josh Donaldson and his contract, that'd be fine with me. Oh, those were the two, like just two names. Like when Josh Donaldson signed, we were ecstatic about yeah. like, oh my gosh, a star is coming to Minnesota. And yeah. oh, it just hasn't worked out at all. Um, we're talking about Jose Barrios. He's been rumored. And you could probably get more for Jose Barrios than any other player that you could trade. But I'm not getting rid of him. Why would you get rid of a guy who's 27? Uh, he, he's solid. He's your best starter. Why would you get rid of him? Yeah. Why would and why if you need pitching, why would you get rid of your best pitcher? Yes. Why would you get rid of a weakness? Why would you get rid of the, the best pitcher you have when your other pitchers are not good? I don't understand that. And yeah, keep him. Like the Twins, like they should be good next year. It's not like they're at the end of the run like the Cubs seem to be. Right. Like, and it's not like he can't be bad one year and good the next. The Twins have shown they can be awful one year and competitive the next. Yep. Well, like, you can turn this thing around pretty quickly so there's no reason to, to sell guys like Barrios who are 27. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Let's get to the pitcher and hitter of the first half, and then if you have any other awards that you want to uh, provide, let's shell them out. I would say my pitcher of the first half because we like this. Uh, this is like a, the the surprising pitcher of the first half. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say it's Trevor Rogers of the Marlins. Is who I would go with. Okay. Uh, he's seven, seven and six. He's throwing hundred innings. Uh, he was not. He was awful last year. He had an ERA of six. He has a two point three one ERA right now. Woo. Uh, Trevor Rogers of Miami, who probably. Folks aren't aware of. He was a good year, and Miami's got a lot of good young pitchers. It seems like Miami always has. Every few years, they come around, and and they got a lot of good young talent. And so, for the record, Trevor Rogers was your pitcher of the week on May tenth. I think he's probably one of the earlier ones, so he's yeah, he's right there. And my hitter of the week would be uh, my hitter of the first half would be Cedric Mullins. Uh-huh. Baltimore, another guy who was like, who, who are you? Who the hell are you? He's, this is his fourth season with Baltimore. Has done, he's been extremely nothing his, his past three, parts of three seasons. He was, what the hell did he hit? He's hitting 314 right now with uh, 16 home runs. I believe he's their only all-star. Uh, in the three previous seasons, he hit 225. And about 375 at bats. So where the hell this guy came from at 26? I have no idea. But uh, he started hot and has continued to hit. So Cedric Mullins, he would be an all star even if Baltimore didn't need to have an all star. And uh, surprisingly enough, he was your hitter of the week on May 10th. So yeah, well, there you go. Two guys that I liked early on in the season. Yeah, and they stepped it up. And uh, I like him here to be my my first half guys. Very good. Very good. Any other thoughts? Were they my first? Were they my first hitters? Who were my first? 
We didn't start this until May 3rd. That's when I first started jotting it down. Um, okay, who, who was the first one? John Means from Baltimore was your pitcher. Well, he's hurt and he threw a no-hitter, so there's that. May 3rd. Jared Walsh was the hitter of the week. Oh, yes, yes. Um, Lo- uh, on May 17th, then, Logan Gilbert, pitcher of the week for Seattle. Jared Kellenick from uh, Seattle. So we, we, you went Mar- uh, Mariner, Mariner there. Uh, May 24th, Freddie Peralta from Milwaukee, pitcher of the week. Uh, Dallas Garcia from uh, Texas, the hitter of the week. Uh, June 11th, uh, June, whenever, the first week in June, Chris Bassett from Oakland, pitcher of the week. Travis yeah. Blankenhorn from the Mets, the hitter of the week. We talked Travis about Blankenhorn, because, what's he doing? Uh, that's, you know, he was the story with, you know, he played for the Twins, hadn't done a lot, so we followed that a little bit. Uh, then Kyle Gibson, uh, Jess, Jesse Winker, um, June 7th. June yeah. 14th, Taiwan Walker from the Mets and Brian Reynolds from the Pirates. And then uh, the 21st, we went Luis Garcia, the pitcher for Houston, and Shohei Otani for the Angels. And the 28th, uh, we went with Emmanuel, is it Clase, I believe, from Cleveland, and Wander Franco from Tampa Bay. And then uh, this week, uh, so that's May 3rd through June 28th right there. And it culminates with the first half stars, Trevor Rogers and Cedric Mullins. Travis Blankenhorn's with the AAA Mets in Syracuse. It is the sixth team he's been on this year. The Q's! He's been with the Twins and the Mets. He's been with the AAA team of the Twins and the Mets. He was also with AAA Seattle and AAA of the Dodgers. I really hope he's, he's got AAA. teams in three months. I hope he's got AAA, and I also hope he's getting all those frequent flyer miles. Because he's racking And that miles. is after spending the last five, six years with the Twins, you know, through their minor league system. Mm-hmm. But he spent one, he spent the first five, six years of his career with the Twins within their system, and now he's been with six teams in three months. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, any other thoughts on the baseball? No, Twins have been disappointing, so I haven't watched them at all for a long time, which sucks. You know? Mm-hmm. Fantasy, big in the fantasy. My one uh, one team's doing extremely well. Is that the Guillotine League? No, I'm still alive. They're doing well. My one, my uh, Dustin Verink League. Uh, he, he is an outstanding team. I have a good team. I this is the this is the, this is the league I want to win. I've been in it for five, six, seven years. I want to win this league. This is my my best team. I want to win this league more than anybody else. All right. My Kirk League, I'm extremely uh, underwhelming again, which seems to be the norm over there. My other complicated league, I'm doing okay. My guillotine league, I feel like I'm doing good. There's, I think there's seven of us left. We're about halfway through. Okay. There's been seven or eight that have been cut. I have no money left in my free agent budget. Uh-oh. I have spent it all, and I feel like my team is good. I feel like I... My offense was good. I've added to my pitching, which I needed to do. And I feel like I've got a team that can uh, be in the final three or four, if not win it. You know, again, it takes one bad week. And the week coming up, it's going to be a short week. So mm-hmm. out of uh, ten days, it's only going to be probably six or seven. So, yeah, I like that league. I like that idea. But we're halfway through that one. All right. 
Um, congrats to the Tampa Bay Lightning on winning the Stanley Cup. They beat Montreal in five games. Again, Italy wins uh, soccer. I'll try and get um, Marcus on to talk about that. But did you have any other thoughts on the NHL or uh, the UEFA Euros? Uh, what's as nuts as the new what? Some advisor for Ottawa? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Pierre Maguire, formerly of NHL on NBC and in, uh, kind of creator of Inside the Glass. Yes, he's going to be vice player or vice president of player development for Ottawa. He's wanted to be a GM for a long time. Apparently, uh, he couldn't get in at either ESPN or Turner. And yeah, he's he's going to join the center. So good for Pierre. I heard he wanted $5 million to return to ESPN. Oh, well, that, that, that's pretty hefty for him. Um, I would rather give that to uh, Brian Boucher. Well, there you go. You can save a lot of money. Yes. Yep. Uh, that uh, NHL who's your, lineup. Who's your home run derby pick? Well, it would be quite... Well, you, can't pick, you can't pick Shoei Otani. Well, we're, not, we're not picking him. Okay, we can't do that. Hard uh, from picking him because everybody's going to pick him. It would be quite the story if Trevor won, the Colorado Rockies guy. Yep. Um, I are you, are you going to watch this tonight? I might watch this a little bit. Are you more excited because it's in Colorado? Is that is it, uh, compared to if it was in Detroit I or think St. Louis or I, Seattle? The fact that it's in Colorado now, I want to see how far someone can hit yeah. the ball. I mean, it, do, you remember, do you remember the home run derby? Is that something you would watch as a kid? Uh, a little bit, yes. Every once in a while, I can't remember. Like I, I remember the what was it? Um, ninety-seven. Was it not Pedro? Didn't Pedro didn't pitch in the one in ninety-seven? Did he? I I saw. No. Uh, was in this nineteen ninety-seven? Like, it was in Denver. Yeah. Was it Giambi? Uh, no. Maybe not. Um, it was Ken Griffey Jr. Oh yeah. Okay. I remember that one as a kid. I I would tape it. I would tape these every year for a mm-hmm. while. And then, like everything, I didn't care. And then, oh, I'll watch tonight. Yep. Because it's in Denver, and you got some guys there. Uh, but 97, it was in Colorado, Coors Field. King Griffey Jr. won it, I believe. Uh, 99 with McGuire and Sosa and Fenway Park. That was great. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the, for me, the peak years of the home run derby. That's the one I was thinking of. Um 1999, so yeah, when, when you had all of those guys that we talked about, and mm-hmm. you know what, it should be good. I'm going to pick Joey Gallo to win it, I guess. Yep, I was I was yeah. leaning towards him as well. Um, if it's not Shohei Otani, it's going to be Joey Gallo with Trevor Story uh, in the mix. In the mix, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm more interested in this, and I'm going to miss this. We're going to be out in Denver. I'm going to be there Friday, so I'm going to miss this by. Literally days. A few days, yeah. Not that I would have went to it, but it would have been cool to to be there. Absolutely. Uh, Open Championship tees off on Thursday. Uh, where is it even? Oh. Is it Royal St. George this year or was that last year? Let us get. Let me pull this up here. Who who are you picking to win the Open? Who am I picking? Oh, for Christ's sake. Um, this is the last major of the year, right? Sam? It is. It's your favorite tournament, you always say. Yes, it is at Royal St. George's in Sandwich, England. John Rahm is the favorite by a good margin. Um, I'm going to give you a guy who I've never heard of. Okay. I'm going down this list of the favorites. Okay. 
I'm going to give you the first guy who I've never heard of. All right. In the top ten, his name is Tyrell Hatton. Okay. So I assume it's some guy from Europe. Yeah, I think he's from England. I'm going to go Tyrell Hatton of some guy who I've never heard of before ten seconds ago. All right. <laughs> As well, the usual names are at top. Um, I... Bryson DeChambeau with his swing, mm-hmm. like sometimes you get those the, the style of golf course that they have at the, at the British Open, mm-hmm. with the wind and uh, some of the bounces you get on the fairway, like he could crank it out pretty good. Did you watch the, any of the match last week? A little bit, a little bit. I thought it was odd. It was on a you know, Tuesday after yeah. the fourth. Yep. As the guy in the middle of the week, he Bryson kind of grew on me during that match. Now I, I still don't like him, but uh, he, he kind of grew on me a little bit here. What a beautiful course there in Big Sky, Montana! Unbelievable! The one hole was what eight hundred yards, seven hundred seventy-seven yards. Yes, yes, seven hundred seventy-seven yeah, yards on that hill. He could bomb it fine. That's that's amazing. That's yes. amazing. Yep. Um, he, I don't. He's just so erratic. He's 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 so inaccurate. He's gonna get caught in the the thick stuff or a yeah. bunker. I I can't pick DeChambeau. Um I'd love to take Spieth or Rory McIlroy would always be right up there for me. Um, what if I go Colin Morikawa? Sure, that's that's the guy I I liked. Yep. So um, I'm gonna go with the guy. He uh, what it was in the mix at the U.S. Open. Uh, I'm not going to get it right, but just, just pick a guy. I'm going to pick Harris English. All right. Oh, I thought you were going with Tyrell Hatton. He was just the first guy I've never heard of. Oh, I'll okay. pick him as my, I assume, European representative. And uh, the other guy, I assume, is, uh, I feel like there was an Australian guy in here, too. Harris English. Where's he from? Harris English is from... Uh, he's from Georgia. So, I'll take Harris English. And Georgia, the state, so not the country, not, right? So uh, that sounds like a very American name, not a not a Middle Eastern Euro or Eastern European no. name. So again, he's a guy who I never heard of before the U.S. Open a month ago. So I'll pick him. All right, very good. So the Open Championship, uh, the 149th Open Championship, uh, this Thursday through Sunday, July 15th through the 18th, my favorite tournament of the year. I will be getting up early for that. Mm. Uh, Why do you like the golf course is so different, or what? I, I do. Yeah, it's it. Well, it's the birthplace of golf. You know the you know Britain mm-hmm. and you know Scotland and everything there. Uh, it it's the link style course, which I find fascinating. The weather can change from hole to hole. It's just it's such it's such a unique, different type of course than what we see normally in the United States. That's why I think I like it. Plus, it's early in the morning, so it's just great. Um, anything else before we get to the final uh, thing, uh, non-sports related? Vladimir Guerrero Jr. isn't in the home run derby. That's a goddamn shame. It is. I feel. Yep. That's a shame. I thought he was going to be. I don't know why he's not. So that sucks. Um, going to Denver. Leaving Thursday. We're gonna go Thursday. We're leaving after work about noon or one. We're going to try and go, or well, we're going to go because we got a hotel in Cheyenne, Wyoming. All right. Which is about 500 miles or eight hours away. So do some math. You pick up an hour. Hopefully we're there by 8 o'clock at night, time the sun starts to set. 
and then we're only about 90 miles an hour and a half two hours from denver the next day uh there's a huge flea market i want to go to we're going to go there friday they're open friday saturday sunday that's our first stop friday morning very good about 20 miles northeast of denver an outdoor flea market apparently it's 40 acres big holy cow my parents were out there a month or two ago big produce a lot of mexicans selling good stuff big produce big potatoes carrots things like that mm. and uh there are rumors of there were some hats that were reasonably <laughs> priced uh, i'm sure they are not uh i'm sure they're counterfeit as hell but i'm interested to see what what they've got there if they have colorado peaches for produce mm. get those they are the best peaches colorado I peaches I would imagine they would be out there. So we're going to do that. And we got a, a wedding out there. It's her cousin, second cousin, some relation of hers. Um, so this is by far the farthest I've ever gone for a wedding to Denver. Mm-hmm. It will overdo your wedding for length of travel. <laughs> your wedding was the previous longest I've ever traveled for a wedding. Really? Well, I, uh, well, we are honored. <laughs> got to go up to Fargo for that. That was a good one. So we're doing that. We're staying in a cabin, Airbnb, whatever. I was not involved in that organization. So cabins and such. I messaged Drew Amon saying I'm going to be near you. So I haven't heard back about him. So we'll be out in Denver starting Friday. Very good. Well, have a great trip. Uh, enjoy the wedding. Enjoy the uh, the flea market and uh, enjoy the sights. Of Denver. Are you going to have Rocky Mountain oysters while you're out there? I'm going to, I'm going to eat all the balls I can get my hands on. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, um, we moved this barn over to our house yesterday. Oh, this garage, the neighbor's house burned down. He's rebuilding. They're about they're a couple months from being done with their house. Okay, nice big white barn type structure, twenty feet by twenty feet. It's about twenty feet high as well. So this is a good sized building, two stall garage with a hayloft up top. Yeah, we didn't want it. I wanted it. I said, you can have it if you move it. So the guy we dealt with, very difficult, very slow, very frustrating, very stressful. They gave him the ultimatum and it has to be done by Monday. So we had to do it this weekend. And oh, man. He went down to the final fucking moments and <laughs> got a bunch of wood. He uh, braced it up. Couldn't find a guy to help him. He had two. How do you think they fucking moved this thing? I would have thought with a flatbed truck like you would, you know, sometimes you see the semis and stuff move, like the houses and stuff. That's how I would imagine it would come. We have to move this thing like 100 feet from his house to our house, our neighbor's house. Oh, okay. So So a flatbed probably wouldn't be... um, Yeah, so we like for the semi in here or truck. Right. So Um, he took a... uh, He took a skid steer type thing. mm Mm-hmm. And um, one on each end, he picked it up on his end and went in reverse. He had another guy on the other side go forward, and they picked this fucking thing up and moved it. And my heart was racing, and I wasn't <laughs> even involved in this fucking thing. It was them doing the work. I bet I bet there were anxious moments. Yes. It, it took, I don't know, it felt like it maybe took two, three minutes to get it over there. It didn't take very long. I thought it'd take quite a bit longer. They lifted this heavy, heavy fucking building up 
and this motherfucker was leaning so far in one direction. Fuck, it was to the south. Was it like the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Off the ground. One side was probably off the ground three feet. Oh. The other side was probably off the ground a foot and a half, if that. Oh my. You got a 20 foot fucking building leaning a foot and a half in one direction. It, and then finally it leveled out, but holy shit. Um, and if what a fellow would have fucking just destroyed the, the neighbor's garage. Ugh. So they did this at like 9.30 last night. Oh. The last rays of sunshine. It was basically dark. They did it, got it done. It's still not in place. It's on our property. It's on our cement. They just got to turn it a little bit. But it, it's here, and thank God that's fucking done. Because oh, no I'm going to write... No. A thing about to chronicle this process because this was a fucking process to get this done. It sounds like it. It absolutely yes. sounds like it. Well, well that's my life. I'm glad. I'm glad it went good. I'm glad the stress with that is over at least for now. Yeah. Um. All right. I'm going to be gone next week, so we no podcast next week because uh, we're on va- we're on vacation here. Uh, I'm on vacation here, so that works. Yep. So uh, that means you know we're kind of. Th- we will keep picking up the cereal here throughout because we're going to keep going through this from from time you know from you know until we're done. So this week we're only going to do one letter because it's a hefty letter. Uh, F is where we're at. So a uh, lot of F cereals. What the F? Yeah, I would not have guessed. Yeah, I wouldn't have either. But uh, Frosted Flakes come to mind. Frosted whatever's. But uh, yeah. all right, what what do we got? Uh, I don't know what the hell this is. Uh, Farley's Rusk's Original. I don't Farley's know if it's in, uh, it's Farley's F A R L E Y Rusk's R U S K S Original. I don't even know if it's in production. It doesn't say Farley's Rusk's Original. Yes. What is this? This looks like a cookie. I, it looks like. A, uh, are you sure these aren't cookies? I, I'm. Po- I, it, it's under the cereal section. I. It's weird. It. It's very weird to me. I don't know why. Let me know because I don't know what it is. Heinz. Fuck. Cereal in a rusk. What the fuck is a rusk? It, it looks know. like cream of wheat. I don't know. This is by far the oddest thing I've ever heard of. Well, we won't. Uh, it's, it's, it's Farley's biscuits, instant cereal in biscuit form. Mm. I'm gonna say no. <laughs> good, good, good. I'm glad you went no because, uh, yeah, that's, biscuit. No, no. Yeah, I don't know cereal. Yeah, no. very no. The thumbs up. Fiber One by General Mills. Fiber One, Fiber One, good for you. Never bought it. Heard of it. Looks like it's got a bunch of. What are those hard noodles you put on uh, Asian food? Oh, the chow mein noodles? Chow mein, that's what it looks like. So, no for me. Probably good for you. Fiber makes you uh, do whatever fiber does. Yep. You know what that does. So, uh, no on fiber one. Looks like uh, chow mein noodles. All right. How about Five Nights at Freddy's by Funko? (laughs) Fuck you, second. I don't even know what this is. Five Nights at Freddy's, a very scary-looking bear. And, of course, this looks like a chocolate cereal. All chocolate cereals get a no. I see there's a one-star review on this. This looks like it sucks. 
uh, it was creepy, very creepy. Creepy fucking shit. I don't know what, what this is, what, what show or movie this is based on, or cartoon. Right. Go fuck yourself on the Funkos. All right, how about Fitness by Nestle? Because that sounds healthy. What? Fitness is what it's called. Fitness? Yes. What is fitness? What does I, that mean? I have no idea. It just fitness says, by Nestle. This looks like a uh, a wheat, a wheat cereal. Maybe a Wheaties knockoff. Never heard of it, so it's a no. But uh, could be good. Look, they have a variety of flavors. Looks like it's probably good for you. Compared to other cereals. When I hear Nestle, I think chocolate right away. So I thought this would be like yes. a chocolate cereal of sorts. How the hell would they even make cereal? Looks like a knockoff of, we <coughs> of Wheaties. I'm going to go no. All right. But it might be good. I've never heard of it. How about Flutie Flakes by General Mills? Mmm. Ever had it? Doesn't it go to charity? It went to charity. Looks like what? It's Corn Flakes, isn't it? Basically. Yeah, pretty much. No, because I never had it. Never. All right. But, you know, good, good for Flutie and his Flutie Flakes. We, we've heard of that at least. How about Fortified Oak Flakes by Post Cereal? Post? When I think of Post Cereal, I think of like some person from 1928 eating cereal. <laughs> That's probably going to be from Post. His pictures, his box looks like it's from 1975. Again, these look like uh, knockoff of Wheaties. When we get to the Wheaties, it'll be a yes, but uh, I've, I've, I've never seen this in stores. I don't know. All right. How about Frankenberry? Well, <laughs> I, I've got a board game, a very odd board game with these different cereals, and this guy is one of the characters in this game. <laughs> I've tried. I, I like berries, strawberries, blueberries, things like that. I love fruit. Uh, but I've yet to find really a fruit-like cereal in uh, berries in in this form. General Mills have got Frankenberry, Blueberry, Count Chocula. Yep. No on all of those. Like a, like a straw. This is a strawberry flavor, I guess. Um, for whatever reason, I don't like that. When it comes to cereal, All right. maybe it turns the milk different colors. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it probably does. It's like a weird berry. So I've had it before. Is um, it good or is it okay? Or? It's it's not my favorite. Um, no, you better know. How about Freakies by Ralston? I have no idea what the hell this is. Ralston? Who the hell is Ralston? Uh, it's called Freakies. Frankie's by Ralston. Be a no for me. Um, this looks like there's something with marshmallows in it, so that's an automatic no. <laughs> Freaky's just these freaky, stupid-looking characters. Have heard of it? It's a no for me. All right, French Toast Crunch by General Mills. Ah, no, too much sugar. Fruit Loops by Kellogg's. Fruit Loops, that's a yes. How about... Oh, go ahead. What's missing... Uh, maybe this is on your list. This is under the Cheerio section. Probably mentioned this last week. The, the Fruity Cheerios. I can't find Fruity Cheerios. Yep. 
Not, I don't think well known. Not out there, obviously, since I can't find them. But I've had them, and I much prefer them to Fruit Loops. But Fruit Loops, a rare yes from me. Oh, where, where, where are we at here on the Cheerios? Uh, oh, yes, you you like fruity Cheerios, honey nut Cheerios, and multi-grain Cheerios is uh is what we had. Um, yeah. And I went, I went to Walmart, and I thought of it like, I'm going to take the pictures of the stupid cereals, and there really wasn't any there for, for some reason. Weird. Uh, I, there's a Fruit Loops Treasures cereal. Would you eat that at no, all? No, get it out of here. Just keep it. No. <laughs> all get right. Here we go now with uh, Frosted Flakes. Oh, boy. Frosted Flakes. Yes, for me, I don't get them much. They're probably not good for you, but uh, Frosted Flakes sack, and as you probably are well aware, are goddamn good. They're great. Goddamn good cereal. They're, they're <laughs> fucking great. I don't really have them a whole lot. I don't buy them much at all. But uh, Frosted Flakes, put a fucking bowl of Frosted Flakes in front of me. I'm not mad about it. Well, how about I give you a few different kinds then that are still available? There's less sugar frosted flakes. Does that sound appealing? Uh, that would be a yes. I've never seen it. That's exciting. That would be exciting. I'm all about the less sugar. Okay. Um, how about frosted flakes gold? Whatever the hell that is. Uh, I've actually had that. What? Really? I, I, well, no. Um, honey, honey nut frosted flakes. What is that on your list? Uh, it is, yes. Okay, I don't know what Frosted Flakes Gold is. I thought that's what that might have been. Honey Nut Frosted Flakes. Was it, is it a yes to Honey Nut Frosted Flakes? Uh, no, it's not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> How gold, about, what is gold? I, I don't know. Uh, the, it, gold here says long-lasting energy. <laughs> okay. It looks like uh, and it's got the little honeycomb scoop, so this appears to be... Maybe a little honey. Uh, it is with extra honey. Ah. Uh, it's gold. I never heard of this. I think it's discontinued for more energy. Because apparently the, the 10 pounds of sugar is not enough for energy. <laughs> um, so no on that. Too much. Too much okay. stuff. How about, too much. Ci- how about cinnamon frosted flakes? No. Okay. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. How about, okay, frosted flakes by Malto Meal? Can they do that? I don't know. That's the uh, probably the ones in the bag, right? I would say yes to those. Okay. The, the big bag. I feel like Frosted Flakes would be like a copyright thing. I, like you'd have to... I would agree. Um, knock off. <laughs> but uh, yes, multiple meal Frosted Flakes, yes. Okay. How about Frosted Mini Spooners by multiple Meal? What a terrible name. I don't know what those are. Frosted. I would guess it's like a Frosted Mini Wheat. Oh, uh, then yes, I have bought that. Uh, that is a yes. Frosted mini spooners. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, then we get to frosted mini wheats. Yes. So there's a ton of frosted mini wheats here. So like uh, like the Cheerios, we are going to go uh, and go through each of these and figure my, out. My problem with the frosted mini wheats is that. I feel like you gotta put a lot of milk in there. Yes, yes, you and do. It's, and the, these big bales of hay, which they are very cumbersome. It's a very, you know, difficult cereal to to navigate. 
So the, I don't know how many of these are still going on, but they, they've listed a whole bunch. So we'll just go through these. You tell me which ones you like or would eat or whatever. Frosted mm-hmm. mini wheat strawberry delight. No. Okay. Bite-sized frosted mini wheats with brown sugar. No. Bite-sized frosted blueberry muffin. And these might be good. I've never heard of them. Never seen them. No. Bite-sized frosted cinnamon streusel. No. Bite-sized frosted chocolate. Chocolate's no. Bite-sized frosted maple and brown sugar. <laughs> no. Bite-sized frosted strawberry delight. No. Bite-sized frosted vanilla cream. No. Frosted mini wheats big bite. What the hell is that? Frosted mini mini wheats big no. <laughs> Unfrosted mini wheats. What the no, we need we need a little bit of sugar we on there. Sure we need do. a little bit of gross. That's like a, okay. I went to well, just a, a, a brief uh, diversion here. I went to the Walmart last night. Was getting some stuff, and I, I'm in a kind of a peanut kick here lately. You know, peanuts oh, are a good source of protein and stuff. I accidentally bought the unsalted peanuts. There's nothing oh, worse than great. unsalted peanuts. They taste disgusting. You need. May as well eat the. May as well eat your fucking coffee table. May as well eat that. <laughs> you may as well, yes, or like a piece of cardboard. Oh, it's just gross. Okay, little bites original. That's probably a no. Uh, little oh, bites. I don't know what that is. The little bites chocolate and then a touch of fruit in the middle mixed berry. What? What the hell? Little bites. No, I mean, I've never, right, so, uh, I assume this is baby. This is baby cereal. Maybe. We're just... So, basically, it's just the regular Frosted Mini Wheats. We don't need to do any of this other sprucing up of shit. It's just Frosted Mini Wheats. You like that. I like Frosted Mini Wheats. Yeah, okay. keep your your vanillas and your strawberries to yourself. How about Frosted Shredded Wheat? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, well, that's the same thing, is it not? Um, I would say that's like... It says C Shredded Wheat. So I'm, which one did I, which one did I say yes to? What? Uh, you said yes to well, you mini said yes to frosted mini wheats, and you said yes mini to mini wheats. This frosted is, shredded wheat is just bigger, is it not? Frosted shredded wheat is okay. I gotta get back up here. It was bigger. Yeah, I mean that's that's fine. Yeah, shredded, it, sure. it says shredded wheat, so yeah, that's probably the great value brand. That's sure. How about frosted toast crunch? No. All right. Uh, Frosted Toast Crunch. A lot of these. Oh, I've seen this. I've seen this. this is a common cereal. No. No. Okay. Uh, Frosties. It says see Frosted Flakes, so we'll just skip that. Then. Well, uh Oz was uh, coming across as Frosted Cheerios, uh, but that that discontinued. Um, I, should maybe give, I should maybe give another chance to Frosted Cheerios. I think you should. That's good. I don't. I don't really remember. There's got to be a reason why I don't buy it, but I should maybe check that out. How about fruit and nut granola cereal by Sunbelt? No. All right. Again, no. I like nuts. Like you know, I like nuts, but keep them out of my cereal. I don't want. Then it's like a meal. Yeah. Like it's just too heavy. Yeah, keep your nuts. Yeah, keep, get those uh, get those Rocky Mountain oysters out of there. Get your nuts out <laughs> of my cereal. Uh, f- okay, fruit and fiber. Well, there fruit, fruit and fiber. Fruit and fiber. Yep. Uh, fruit and fiber. No. Okay. Very, 
Very good. Alright, uh, here we got that as a no. How about then fruit harvest? What the hell is that? Fruit harvest. No. How about we're almost done here? It seems really like we've been going on. There are a lot of F cereals, I tell you what. Fruity Dino Bites by Malto Meal. No. Uh, sure, the kids love it. Love the dinosaurs. I'm, yeah, I was almost thinking it's probably like something similar to like Fruity Pebbles. Sure. I saw the stupid cereal I did see this weekend was confetti cake or birthday cake Fruity Pebbles. Gross. Just gross. Too much. Well, speaking of Fruity Pebbles, it's on here. Fruity Pebbles is next. So no for me. Something I don't buy. I don't know, like, Fruity Pebbles were, like, very small, flaky things, right? Yes. Like, no, i probably get too soggy too quickly. Um, no. Something I, I don't buy. I have no idea what this is. Funkos. Like, Funkos are, like, little... Like, little figurines that people collect. I don't know why... I'm sure there's a cereal. Funkos. Why people collect Funkos? Like these little miniature, I don't know, three, four inch little guys. They're like 10 bucks a piece. I don't know why people. I don't know. There's all different types of varieties of these things. I don't know why. Game of Thrones Funkos, Teenage Mutant Turtle Funkos. Now, wrestling Funkos, I don't know why. It's like just little figurines, guys with big heads that don't bobble. Big beady eyes, big heads, little bodies. These small miniature things. Weird. Um, and finally, so Future Life Smart Food, whatever the hell that is. No. Very good. That does it. That that's a lot of F cereals here. Uh, so to recap, you would go with Fruit Loops. That's a yes. Frosted Flakes, yes, and uh, less sugar Frosted Flakes, a yes. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Uh, Frosted Flakes by Malto Meal, yes. Frosted Mini Spooners by Malto Meal, yes. Frosted Mini Wheats by Kellogg's, yes. And Frosted Shredded Wheat is a yes. Those. Are your F cereals? So that's not as sugary as I like them. So that uh, that that's where we're at here. We're filling the pantry up here now, and we have a we'll do G and H here in a couple of weeks, uh, and then we're really going to start to get through some of these letters here because there's not much in some of them. So I'm on the uh, Frosted Flakes website. They've got chocolate Frosted Flakes, which is obviously a no. Um, they have Frosted Flakes with marshmallows, no. They've got Frosted Flakes with crispy cinnamon basketballs. Guess who's on that, stacking? LeBron James. No, who, what, what basketball players on every fucking commercial break that you see? Oh, I thought it was LeBron. Um, no. Shaq? Shaquille O'Neal, he's on a lot of stuff. I feel like he's on more stuff now than he was as a player. Oh, I, absolutely. I, actually, I actually saw something that he... He actually has to verify, like, if he doesn't agree he with the product. He actually uses the products. Yes, yes. So he uses the general. He use, he goes to JCPenney. He, you know, he eats Papa, Papa John's. John's. Yep. So he does all this stuff. Uh, That's good. So, yeah. If, 
It gets his seal of approval, which is which is good. So, uh, they've got the mashup, which is the, one of the more ridiculous things that I've seen that kind of started this deal. The mashup of Frosted Flakes and Fruit Loops. Yuck. What are we doing? Mixed together in the same box. Separately, they both get yeses from me. I can't, I mean, again, sometimes when you're mixing cereals, let's say you got a little bit of cereal in the box and you want to mix it with something else, not great. No. Um, and I, I did buy Honey Nut Frosted Flakes here and it just was not good. I just didn't like it. I would. I, I, I thought I would have. Hmm. You know, Honey Nut Flakes, yep. Honey Nut Frosted Flakes. That was a surprising no for me, but that's where we're at right now. We've got to be better. Got to be better here and stuff with these cereals. Just weird. Very weird. Well, well like, you know, once we get through this here in the next couple of months. Yep. Like, I don't know, like, when did this start? Like, all of these, like, you know, the Pringles. Uh, we got like spicy queso, which is pretty good, and I'd buy it again. Yes. Like, you know, there's just dozens of flavors of stuff, like chips. Lay's Lay's always has like the create your own flavor um, campaign. Like, and, and uh, Mountain Dew, there were no less than I think seven different types of Mountain Dew. Yeah, the, like the water. There's a watermelon Mountain Dew now, isn't that the newest one? There's that. There's a blue one. There's yep. a red one. There's yep. blast this, blast that. Baja blast, yeah. But it's like all of this. I don't drink Mountain Dew. It's all of these Mountain Dews, and you know whatever. It's a it's a lot of just shit. Do you know the whatever. only time I drink Baja Blast Mountain Dew is when I'm at a Taco Bell? Because I've yeah, been, I've I'm been, sure it just tastes like you know. Does it taste any different than regular Mountain Dew? Maybe a little bit. It does. It, it like it doesn't taste like that much Mountain Dew. It's it's weird. But I figure if I'm just yeah. putting a whole bunch of shit in my system just to flush it no, all no, out no, later no. on, I may as well put the Baja Blast Mountain Dew in there as well. Mm. So yeah, just you're just overwhelming at times. Look at the at some of the aisles. You're like, like how do you even come up with? A lot of these flakes. How, how how do you even come up with these? <laughs> they they put they just pull random stuff out of a hat. There's a, a show on History Channel. We don't get History Channel, but we've got their app. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of free episodes of like the foods that made America. Yes, yes, I've heard of that. There's one on uh, McDonald's and Burger King, and there's one on chips. Oh, the Lay's company was like the company, and then. Pringles came up with uh, with their own chips, and like I, I prefer the stacks, the Lay's stacks to Pringles. Mm, mm-hmm. I believe they're better, they're thicker, they're better than Pringles. So they did Pringles better than Pringles did. But yeah, the the, the cereals and the chips, just a lot of so many flavors, so many flavors of things. We are flavorful society. Yes. Well, I hope you have a great time out in Denver. Um, uh, stay cool and uh, enjoy the Home Run Derby and the rest of the NBA Finals, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks, my friend. All right, we'll see you. Travis Crins joining me here on the Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time as always. Great stuff there. Um, yeah, uh, just excellent, excellent stuff there. A lot of F-Serials. Uh, like I said, we aren't going to do a show next week on vacation. Travis getting back from Denver. So uh, we'll reconvene here in the last week of July. And we'll go over G&H cereals. 
And then we'll, we'll start hitting up a few more of these letters here because they, they're substantial. Yeah, we'll, we'll get through a lot of them. That I can assure you. So uh, we'll get to all that here uh, in the upcoming weeks. We've got college football coming up here, so that means Charlie Hildebrand will come back. Coming up next, though, uh, we'll try and uh, we'll, we'll talk some NHL. We'll talk some soccer. We'll try and get Marcus Traxler on for that. Now, we'll wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Uh, and as always, you can find this podcast available, available on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken, Travis Crins on Twitter at Travis Crins, also on Facebook Travis Crins. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. But coming up, we'll wrap up this week's edition as we wrap up the hockey season and the hockey tenure on NBC, as well as the UEFA Euro 2020. It's coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast, now available on podcast.com. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, the NHL season and the UEFA Euro 2020 Championship is complete. And who better to do that or discuss all that with than my good friend from the Mitchell Daily Republic, Marcus Traxler. Marcus, how are we doing? I'm good, Stacking. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. Uh, we'll start with the hockey here. The Tampa Bay Lightning won uh, the Stanley Cup for the second straight year. This time they got to do it in front of their home fans. They saved the mayor's ass, so that was good. Uh, they sure did. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, what were I mean? They it, they pretty much dominated this series overall. I mean, Carey Price did everything he could for Montreal in net there and in, in games four and five. But Tampa Bay simply just the better, stronger, deeper team. Absolutely, and and kind of fitting the way the series ended uh, with with Vasilevsky, you know, pitching a shutout. I think he. Uh, I think he had a shutout in every clinching game of the series, sure right? During the yep. playoffs, all four, all four series. So yep. uh, he was incredible, uh, certainly worthy of the con Smythe. And you know, as we've talked about throughout the playoffs, and just and as you sort of pose right there, I mean, really deep roster, a lot of a lot of guys that uh, you know, frankly, are not household names, but they come through and they make plays in the playoffs. And uh, the Lightning just sort of put it all together. What a deep, talented team! And, uh, you know, Montreal, I think, in a lot of ways, kind of ran out of gas. Um, you know, it's just a long playoffs, long, long period, and they weren't the more talented team, and, and that all added up to a, a series that, frankly, was, I think, Montreal was fortunate to get to a fifth move. Oh, absolutely. I mean, again, yeah. we, we talked about it before that they were the, obviously, the 16th team. They had the fewest amount of points out of any playoff team, and if you had looked at you know, just ranking all the teams with points, they would have been 18th. So right. the, the, mere, the mere fact that they got there is really good. And I think they have a very strong foundation that they can build on. I mean, Nick Suzuki is great. you got Cole Caulfield there. You know, I, how many more years Carey Price has left. But, I mean, th- there's room for them to build on this, and I think they can. But as it, as it goes for the Lightning, this feels like a dynasty in the making. Now, of course, we have the expansion draft with – uh, with Seattle coming up here, we have you know that you know I, I would hope the NHL does something regarding this salary cap issue because I do think Tampa Bay kind of finagled the rules a little bit or took advantage of a loophole perhaps. Um, yeah, you know it's interesting. The more I read about it, the more people said like this is there for a reason because, and I, I don't remember the specific example, but basically talking about how it's it's been exploited to a different degree as well. And if you're not paying the guys in the playoffs, what difference does it make? So. I, I guess, you know, Tampa Bay did what was within the rules, but you can certainly sit there and say, this rule doesn't seem exactly right. 
And uh, yeah, it's I, I think it's gonna be a major talking point. But I think given how it helps the, the general managers sort of finagle the roster, I don't think they're gonna be really that willing to give it up. You don't think so? Okay, I mean, because it, it kind of reminds me of when um, was it uh, was it Belichick or I think it was Vrabel when Tennessee beat New England a couple years ago in the playoffs and kept calling those timeouts, or maybe it was Belichick uh, who did it earlier in a game. Um, you know, and you know they would let the clock run and stuff. So he got to right. go, or with the delay of game. Regardless, they, there was a loophole that the NFL ended up closing. I think now with the with what the Lightning did, and you know, as long as any other team can do it, I suppose that's fine. It just seems like the Lightning, you know, got a little more headline with it because of the the players that they got back for the playoffs and what they were paying them, and they they came out and they they. Sh- they played really well in the playoffs and were difference makers. Absolutely, I don't. I don't know that this this has ever been exploited to this degree. And so, what a huge advantage for uh, Tampa Bay to have that sort of player that was waiting in the wings, uh, you know, to be able to come. You know, wasn't able to play during the regular season, and able to play in the postseason. So, I, 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 you know, have had the chance to sort of soak in both sides of the argument. I do see the Tampa Bay side a little bit more clearly. It. Mm-hmm. It still seems kind of, uh, you know, exploitative, but um, it doesn't sound like anything's going to change necessarily. We'll, we'll see. Yep, but. and and they did, as we said, they did it within the confines of the rules, so it's not like they broke any rules. Just right. yeah, took advantage. But like I said, this is the uh, this feels like a dynasty in the making. They're just like again so deep. They arguably have the best goalie in hockey. They have Braden Point, who's fantastic. They have a number of good, play, great players on their team. I think Eddie Olchek said on the broadcast after they won it, you know, they were skating around with the cup, that he thinks that this team has arguably five of the top twenty-five players in the NHL. Right. I'll, I'll lend his, I'll lend to his expertise for that. But it goes to show that this team could be built for the long haul, uh, kind of like what the Blackhawks did in the early, uh, in the late. Uh, 2009 you know, in the early 2010s and stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, they, they're in a position where, um, you know, they they were not, I know we talked about this a couple times ago, they were not the top team in their odd little division this year, but they were, uh, they seemed like a team that was sort of ramping up for the, the postseason. I mean, they, they weren't necessarily uh, going, uh, you know, they knew that that was really where the money was made and, um, you know, you got to think back to how well they played, basically uh, winning two Stanley Cups in the span of 300 days or so. You know, so that's uh, that's something that's never been done before and, and won't be done again, probably. And um, I agree. I, I think it's, it's going to be interesting. The salary cap is going to be pretty flat here for next year and, and going forward. So, provided they can kind of maintain. Um, and then, you know, eventually here in a couple of years, it, it will start to go up again is the way it's believed. And so, um, you know, from a salary cap standpoint, you know, they're going to have guys that are going to want to get paid. I don't have that list in front of me necessarily, but Vasilevsky remains pretty cheap. And mm-hmm. that's a lot like the quarterback in the NFL. Uh, if you've got a cheap quarterback, that sets you up pretty well. Cheap goaltender does the same thing in the NHL as well. So uh, as long as that's part of the puzzle, I think the Lightning are in really good shape. And they do sort of have this next wave of young players that are coming behind Stamkos that really make a lot of sense as far as, um, 
you know, putting your team in, in the right position. Yep, Sorelli is a name that immediately comes to mind. Um, and, yeah, I mean, this team is just it, – it's so good. And I would have to say – I mean, it would be crazy, I think, to, to say that they wouldn't be considered the favorites headed into next season, right? No, they absolutely are the, are the favorites. And, I mean, I think part of that is just – we're starting to lose the benefit of the doubt for some of these other teams. I think I think you kind of look at Colorado. If you look at Vegas, uh, Vegas, you know, mainly because they they're, they're not uh, going to give up anybody in the expansion draft. That's one major advantage they have that nobody else has. But yeah. uh, you know, Colorado's been there in this top position and not won. So uh, you certainly give the benefit to Tampa Bay. And you kind of look at the rest of that Eastern Conference, although the conferences didn't matter this year. Um, I'm having a hard time just kind of spotting who exactly I would put number two. Uh, certainly, Florida is in that that conversation, but um, it's it's uh, you know or going forward will be in the conversation. We know Boston's good, but they're they're old. Um, Islanders. You know, the Islanders are a team that are, are going to be around as long as I think as long as they keep Barry Trotz, uh, they're going to be in good shape. So it's just that's a, it's an interesting storyline that like the Eastern Conference looks pretty good for uh, for Tampa Bay at the moment. Do you buy into anything regarding the whole Andre Vasilevsky uh, goalie pad? You know, too large uh, conspiracy theory that seems to be floating on around there. I don't really buy anything about it. I think in general the goalie pads are too big, and and that you know, um, I think there needs to be a consideration of either smaller equipment or bigger nets. Um, I think if you're if you're looking at getting uh, you know storing up in the NHL, those are the things you have to look at. Uh, I'm not saying we need to go back to the 80s where every game is 6-4, but from a viewing standpoint, wouldn't that be more fun? Yes. Um, I, I, I just think, you know, we're, uh, you know, defensive hockey can be rewarded, and, and that's fine. You can have sort of your grinding games, but, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see I'd like to see uh, smaller, smaller goalie pads, bigger nets. Um, let's open this thing up and promote as much offense as possible because that's what we pay to, or, you know, pay to see what we want to watch as fans, I think that's really where this should be pointed. And I believe they did enlarge the nets after the first lockout in the in the 2000s, right? I can't remember. I mean, that sounds right, but if they did it, it wasn't a lot. Right. And, yep. You know, I just think that, especially if you can even say, "All right, we're going to leave the we're going to leave the goalie pads where they're at." That's fine. Um, but let's make the net bigger. Or yes. we got to go the other way. You leave the net the same size as it's been. But we got to bring the, the goalie pads a little bit more into into the fray, and I, I think that really the big thing is like the light pads. I mean, that's that's yep. where just so much territory is being covered up. I don't necessarily have a problem with the shoulder pads or anything like. I mean, at the end of the day, you're trying to stop a 110 mile an hour, you know, pressurized rubber disc. I, I can understand why to protect yourself, uh, but at the same time, this is about scoring and singles and and offense and. You've got these incredible talents, these incredible goal scorers that um, are really across the league in all different uh, you know positions, and we'd like to see more of that. Uh, you know, the goaltending goaltending comes and goes, but uh, you know, goal scoring is is you know sort of what the game is founded on. Yep, I, I don't you don't want to take away from the safety of the goalies, but yeah, I agree. I think it, it may be increasing the size of the net will be good, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, final thoughts here, uh, NHL. Then, and let me let me yeah. just back up for a second. Yeah. You know, last year, maybe last year, right before the bubble, you know, they they re-upped on the uh, collective bargaining agreement, and they basically punted on any sort of these major rule changes. So it would seem that we're 
we're not going to see this change in anytime soon. I don't remember how long the CBA goes, but they basically punted on that. It, it means there, there's not going to be a labor stoppage. We're not going to have a lockout uh, in the next couple of years. But, you know, one of those major changes, like we had the trapezoid and, and the different, uh, got rid of the two-line pass, you know, and, and things sort of opened up in the mid-2000s, uh, we're not going to have that uh, now. It, you know, it, it would have to take some special effort to get a rule such as what we're talking about where we're making the net bigger. Uh, it's going to have to take some special effort, and I don't, I don't hold my breath if the NHL is going to do that. No, I, it's highly unlikely. Um, and as we just kind of wrap up the NHL season here, we've put a wrap on the NHL on NBC. What, 15, 16 years? That, 15 years, yeah, I think it was, yeah. Um, you know, it started out as versus, and, uh, you know, give the, give NBC credit for, you know, uh, for giving the NHL that platform coming out of the lockout, and they had a couple that they had to deal with. Um I don't really have any like truly memorable moments. I mean, they had the great Doc Emmerich, who was you know such a great ambassador for the sport of hockey and one of the great broadcasters of our time. Um, but any any final thoughts as we uh, end the tenure at NBC and enter a new one with ESPN and TNT? Which, by the way, ESPN's NHL lineup looks absolutely fantastic. Yeah, they've got quite quite the All Star group, and, and they they're going to go with Sean McDonough as the the main play-by-play voice, and we talked about that uh, a time or two ago on this this podcast. But um, you know, it was interesting. I kind of thought the same thing you had said. Where like, you know, hey, uh, a decade and a half, I was, uh, you know, that kind of stuck up on me. And I'm like, oh, they, they really haven't had anything too memorable. But you go back and you look uh, at the retrospective they ran at the end of the uh, the Stanley Cup Final, kind of reminded me of a lot of stuff. If you think back to 2005 or or so when they took over uh, the NHL. We didn't have any outdoor games. We didn't have, uh, you know, almost the entire uh, Ovechkin run is in this this NBC era. Yep. A lot of the Crosby run is in this era. The entire Blackhawks dynasty uh, go down the line. You know, we had, as we've talked about before, we've had some weird Stanley Cups, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of various degrees. Um, we we kind of had the end of, of Detroit making a run. But the main thing for me was, uh, I guess, twofold. One, you know, Doc Emmerich was well-known. Uh, but he was not the national voice of hockey to the degree that he was until he got to NBC. Right. And we really got a chance to appreciate how good he was, you know, for 15 years as the number one voice. So I'm appreciative of that. And two, the outdoor game thing has changed, uh, changed the NHL forever. I mean, it's just going to be uh, you every year you're going to be able to count on a couple of those uh, in, the, in the schedule in a normal year. And I think we're going to be back to that next year with outdoor, you know, it's been proposed, maybe every franchise is going to have an outdoor game just to, to get some revenue back, sure. but um, obviously the NHL, uh, the Winter Classic is going to be in Minneapolis uh, on, on New Year's Day in 2022, that's great, finally a chance uh, for that marquee game to be in Minnesota, but uh, you think back to, I think it was 2008, we had Pittsburgh against Buffalo, and you're playing in the snow, and you're playing, it ended up being at night because of the weather, and uh, Sidney Crosby scores a game-winning goal. I mean, that's that's perfect. That's you know, for the number, the, for the first winter class to kick everything off, that was a huge deal. And then it just sort of only grew from there. I think to a certain degree, all the stadium games are become a little bit stale, or they become a little bit the same. Um, I think they kind of got a blessing by having the games at Lake Tahoe this last year yep. because that was different. And they're going to keep trying to do different stuff. And the NHL's got to got to do that. Um, but that those are the two major things that stood out to me, um, and and they brought up uh, you know the inside the glass thing. Nobody had done that, right? Uh, 
I I don't you know my my thoughts on Pierre Maguire are well documented. I I think uh, he's fine. Uh, he's he definitely overdoes it. If you want to know who played at Shaq St. Mary or where they played junior hockey, he's your guy. Um, and obviously, the big news today is that he's he's going to go to the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, so. Travis called him what's his nuts. Uh, so uh, obviously, yeah, right. he's left yeah. a great impression on Travis over the years. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, he was the inside the glass guy. So that's yep. a major credit to what NBC created there, because that's just going to be standard going forward as well. So um, a major major credit to those advancements. It, you know, I don't know how people felt about it in 2005. I was too young probably to care. But uh, I, I think the NHL or the NBC left the NHL in the U.S. in a better spot than where it was when they found it. And uh, ESPN picks it back up. Keith Turner picks it back up. You know, in a little bit better spot. But there's definitely work to be done. Yes, absolutely. And hopefully, you know, the the NHL can capitalize, keep you know momentum going from the the outdoor games and capitalize on uh, on ESPN getting them back in the fold and seeing what. And then part of it is. The NHL's kind of got to get out of its own way too. I mean, you, yep. you gotta you gotta make it you know as easy as possible for your stars to be marketed, mm-hmm. and you know, and give us the games that are worthwhile. Don't just shut out uh, Edmonton and Toronto because they're Canadian teams. They happen to have two of the most exciting players in hockey, in Matthews and McDavid. So yep. you know, and, and NBC was known for hey, we're going to show one Edmonton game a year. Well, that doesn't really do us any good. So, right. uh, and I know that, that that a sexy game to show, but uh, if people want to see the best player, that's where he's at right now. Yes. So. Yep. Absolutely. Um, it's speaking of NBC and, or the NHL, uh, you know, staying in talks with the IOC about trying to get you know NHL players over for 2022. Gary Bettman poured some cold water on that in his uh, his uh, press conference leading up to the Stanley Cup final. I think they have maybe another week, 10 days to get something done. I'm getting a little nervous that they won't get it done. But I, I And I get where the NHL is coming from about wanting to play a full season, wanting to recoup some of that revenue. But they made that uh, a change with the CBA about, hey, NHL players can get in there provided you know that they can agree to something with the IOC. I, I think it's in everyone's best interest to have the players from the NHL go to the Olympics, but they got to work some stuff out, and I don't know if that's going to happen now within this next week to 10 days. And it's interesting. I think the NHL would argue it's not in their best interest. I mean, that they've explored this and that it's not worth it to them. Now, I think it's worth it to the players. It's worth it to the fans. I absolutely want to see, you know, your Olympic hockey fans are NHL fans. I mean, they're they're the the same people. So, uh, you know, we absolutely want to see uh, the best players playing for the U.S., Russia, and Canada. But there is sort of this clause in this that, you know, they, they could weasel their way out of it. And I think the NHL is absolutely going to try to see if they can't, you know, get out of this unless there's some sort of compensation. And I don't think the IOC, which loves money as much as anybody, is going to necessarily give way on this. So there's a, there's a problem here, and I don't know exactly how it's going to get solved. Um, I think you're right. I think there's basically... I think there's maybe a little more time. I think you maybe got until August in some degree to get this sorted out, but time's running short. And I don't think the NHL is necessarily eager to make this happen. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see if the you know, NHL Players Association puts any pressure on it. The other element that's here is that um, to what degree is COVID figured out in China uh, yep. by the time 
you know, the winter games come in February. True. We don't know. Uh, we, we really have no idea. It, it is figured out in the United States. Uh, but as we know, with, with the summer games coming up in Japan, it's not figured out there. Right. Uh, they do not have the vaccine to the degree that we've had it. And uh, that's basically why it's, it's going to be a made-for-TV event for the most part. So, yep, and they certainly could do that in in February, but that's just an element that the NHL could use and say, you know what, we're not going to send our players over there because this is a problem. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, and you're absolutely right on that. That's something I, I I hadn't really fully considered here as of late. The only other thing I could think of that the would benefit the NHL would be to have those star players be in China, a market that I think the NHL desperately wants to get into. I think that's why they were kind of looking at, oh, the 2022 be- games here in Beijing could be a real opportunity for them. So, I mean, I... And I get where the NHL, I get where Bettman's coming from about wanting to play that full season, but it, assuming that every, the COVID is kind of under control by that point in China, that players will be safe, that everything will be safe, I think it would be in the NHL's best interest just from the standpoint of being in China and really getting, finally getting, perhaps getting a foothold into that market. Yeah, I, I, I have to be honest, I have no idea what the appetite is for hockey in, in China. There has to be some, uh, and I'm sure it's it's really foreign to them. And uh, you look at these leagues and who's played exhibition games, I don't know how much that matters, but obviously we've seen uh, Major League Baseball do it, we've seen the NBA do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that the NFL, you know, years ago, you know, played in Japan. I, I don't know that, that they played in China, but um, I know that the NHL's never played there. Uh, and so that's that's exactly what you're saying. They've kind of left this as a, as a final frontier. Now, as the NBA has shown with uh, some of its, you know, uh, yes. uh, ownership, there's there's uh, strings attached with the, the whole China thing. It, it's yep. not all uh, gumdrops and rainbows, but it's it's you know a billion people or however many people live in China that could be potentially be fans. Yes, and uh, that's that's probably where the NHL and all major sports leagues are saying. Yeah, let's let's get over there and, and try to you know see if we can't uh, turn over some fans. I I think it's incredibly difficult. Uh, hockey, as we know, is one of the most expensive sports to get into. Mm-hmm. There's such a high barrier. Uh, you got to have ice. You got to have a rink. You got to have you know the equipment. You got to have coaching. You know, so nobody's saying they got to play uh, hockey at a high level. But can you convert them into fans? I don't know. I, I this is kind of one of my main things that you see leagues always want to do. Yeah, I think. I think the NBA, to an incredible degree, has been able to do it. They owe a large part of that to, uh, you know, the Olympics in 2008 when they were in uh, Beijing. And frankly, you know, uh, China fell in love with Kobe Bryant, and that made such a huge difference on the NBA in that sport. I don't know. I don't know if the NHL could do that. And that, you know, I think baseball has done it to a certain degree. I would say the NFL. Uh, you know, there might be sort of a global nature to it, but they seem to be more more focused on Europe, and that's fine. Uh, I just think the NHL, they, they seem so far away from being able to convert fans in Asia, uh, or basically anywhere except Europe and Russia, that it's hard to really know what, what potential there is out there. Yeah, you're kind of going, like, sleeping in bed with the enemy, so to speak. Uh, but I do think if you can even get a sliver of that population in there, just start it. I mean, I mean, look at, look at how they've been able to convert cities like Nashville and Vegas into hockey hotbeds, so to speak, uh, just with the popularity of the, the teams and success of the teams there in those cities. 
Uh, it, China's a whole different challenge. I get that. I just think that they're no, no, they, they need to explore it. The, at the, all the all the issues there, and I it's more I'm, I'm more solely on a rant of my own. Yeah, no, you I, I think I think it's just a challenge for all these leagues, unless you're serious about you know marketing the product there. And I, I think the NBA has been the one that's done that to the best degree. Yes, uh, agreed. You know, I don't. You know, I'd love to. I honestly have no idea. I can't act like I'm an expert, but. You know, does does China get anything out of Otani here with with Major League Baseball? I doubt it, but maybe. I mean, that's at least somebody they might be able to identify with. Uh, you know, I, I have no idea what what Chinese baseball looks like. Obviously, Japan can't get enough of them, and that's right. That's great for them. So, yep. Um, let's. So that's the NHL side. The NHL seasons complete. The expansion draft, the NHL draft, and uh, of course, we'll be keeping our eyes on what happens with the 2022 winter olympics the 2020 euro uh championship is complete and italy is your winners i wonder if it's kind of justifiably so after what uh happened between england and denmark in the semifinals that italy won in italy you know carrying that long unbeaten match uh you know or non-loss you know streak into the uh, into the Euros and everything. I mean, they, they were a very, very good team. Uh, to beat England on penalty kicks, let's just, I guess, start there. Penalty kicks, I feel like it's kind of the equivalent of winning a Stanley Cup via a shootout. I don't necessarily like it. I think there's it's perhaps a little more exciting than a shootout in hockey, but it's still kind of leaves a little bit to be desired to win a championship but then again that's how the u.s women uh won it we remember brandy chastain and her sports bra and everything that iconic photo and whatnot what back in 98 um 99 uh so obviously it can go both ways is there a better way though to determine a championship well i i think um you know if if we just if we just played that championship, you know, until there was a winner, and we just basically said we're going to turn the clock off, uh, you guys got to figure this out. How long would we have been there? I, I have no idea. And there's yep. definitely occasions where you watch a soccer match and you're like, these two teams cannot put the one of these teams doesn't even want to put the ball in the other net. They're waiting for penalties, and it sure felt like England was maybe doing that. And uh, and then, you know, the other ones, you know, maybe a little bit, you know, pressing more to, to try to score. And so that's the, that's a great question. There's definitely part of me that says, yeah, let's play for three, four hours, but, um, you know, they're just not going to do that. Right. Um, I always kind of view the, uh, the, the shootout in soccer as, uh, a slot machine. You know, you're just pulling the, you know, pulling the lever and see if you, if you win, same thing, you know, it's a roulette wheel of, of deciding a winner yep. um, because there's just it, so many things can happen. And, you know, if you had just dropped, you know, uh, somebody who didn't follow soccer at all to watch that, what an interesting shootout to watch. Obviously, you had mm-hmm. uh, shots get, you know, shots get saved. You saw, you know, I forget who it was with England, but one of the best penalties ever taken. I mean, just an absolute bullet into the top corner that was made. Um, and you saw one that hit the post and was saved. You saw, you saw all kinds of different things. And unfortunately for England, it didn't work out for him, and so uh, Italy comes away with it again. What a story! Considering they didn't even qualify for the World Cup the last time, was left out of the uh, the English qualification, and so um, yeah, they win the European Championship. 
it's it's heartbreaking for England because I know we talked about it. Uh, I believe before they played Germany that they sort of have this this history of struggling in penalties in major competitions, yeah. and uh, it, it bites them again in the final. I think if you're England, um, you look at this this run. I you know we've seen some pretty terrible things from some of their fans what they've directed yes. towards their black players. Yep, but um, you know I think all in all you have to be pretty pleased with what you got done here. Um, yeah, you know, they, they sort of turned the leaf to some of these young players. I know they didn't convert uh, necessarily the penalties that they wanted to see made, but um, absolutely great progress. I don't think a lot of people have picked for the final. It does stink to, to play the final in your home, your national stadium, and you don't win, but mm-hmm. um, that's sometimes that happens. And when you leave it to penalties, anything can happen. Yep. So. Yep, and I think you know when we had talked at the outset of the of the Euros, like we said, like we included England in it, but it, we were still talking about Italy and France, and maybe to yeah. you know, a certain extent Germany and Belgium as the as the true favorites in there. Could a team like Italy or could a team like England kind of get in there and? And make a run, and England certainly did. They they exercised the demons by beating Germany, uh, so that was huge for them. And yeah, losing is a uh, you know in your home stadium sucks, but losing to a team it, it's not like they were playing Iceland or Georgia or anything like. I mean, this is a really really good Italy team, who I mean for a while hadn't even given up a goal for for many many matches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Italy was. Was a masterclass on defense. Uh, the goaltending was terrific. Uh, uh, they just—I should say goalkeeping. We went from from hockey to soccer, yeah. but the uh, the goalkeeping was was very good, and they got enough offense to get it over the line. And, and that was a real challenge. You know what? What a challenge it is to for England. You you score in the second minute, and uh, you can kind of tell by first part after halftime, the you know, first 10, 15 minutes, like. Italy's coming. They're putting uh, more pressure on you. You give up the goal that, that levels the game, and I, I just felt like at that point, okay, we're going to make a few subs to try to you know get some fresh legs on. But it, it felt like they were probably playing for penalties, and uh, that was that ended up being what what uh, sort of bit them in the uh, the rear end. So. And, and I mentioned that perhaps justifiably so that Italy beat England after the English incident with Denmark and the the laser pointer at the goalie to what extent that was a, a factor in in the in the penalty kicks there I don't know but I mean yeah. for English fans and then the, the racist stuff I mean we've seen this I guess you know throughout soccer here lately between like Mexico and the USA when they had their friendly a few weeks back and and whatnot like what I, I, this is a question I don't think either of us can answer. We would we would love to for it to stop, but I mean, why does this constantly happen? And you know, England really seems to be like the, the country between like the prime minister and English football and everything really seem to want to be cracking down on these uh, the, the racist fans, like barring them, which is great. Like it's been a very swift reaction uh, to these racist comments, which is great. You don't off. You don't always see that. It's more you, you get that lip service. I wonder how, just how far they're going to go uh, in banning these fans or trying to do something to change this culture because it's not great right now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer. And, and like you said, we're, we're unfortunately not going to be the people that probably have the answers. We can, we can sort of talk through it. And 
I, I don't know. I, I think you've, you've just got to try to weed them out. It's interesting. Both both the teams in the final have had you know just awful histories of of racism. Uh, certainly, Italy has had that at their club level as well with with awful stuff. Joel Manana's at players and and different things and. and uh, you know, it's just sort of a, a class thing. You know, it, at least it seems to be that way in England, um, where at, you know, right or wrong, uh, a lot of the, the best players here in uh, in England in the Premier League are black or they're you know minorities. You know, they're not they're non-white people, mm-hmm. and so that that becomes you know, it's a problem for some people. And uh, you know, it's uh, I think they've. You, like you said, the leadership has been great. Uh, the the uh, Gareth Southgate, the the manager, has, has sort of pulled all the right strings you know, to to try to get everybody on the same page and inclusive to understand that like this they're a key part of the team. And unfortunately, in the way the game played out, uh, you know, you had a, a, a handful of black players, you know, miss penalties or not come through in the key time. And unfortunately, that just gives racists. A chance to come through and, and yeah. do their thing, and um, you know, one thing that it takes is it takes everybody calling them out, and you know, public shaming does work. Uh, you know, yes. to to let people know, like, yeah, we're not going to associate with this guy. You know, uh, if he loses his job or he loses his livelihood, uh, so be it. But uh, that's that's one part where you're like, you know, cancel culture isn't so bad. You know, it's mm-hmm. there's a lot of places where it's it's not good for society, but. Uh, letting everybody know who's a racist isn't necessarily always a bad thing. Uh, it's usually a, usually you end up working out where the racist uh, is the one that has to pay for it, and uh, I think we can live with that. So yeah. or storming um, the capital, you know, calling those people out too. What's that? Or storming the capital, you know? Right, and, and you know, yeah. If, if uh, you know, the other the other major story that I, I know has been reported at, uh, to some degree, but uh, you know, you had you had. P- English fans, I think it's almost certainly it was English fans or English schooligans, if, if you're using that word, but they basically stormed the gates to the stadium to get in. They, I think there was basically supposed to be two-thirds capacity uh, for the final, and it was packed to the to the gills, and, you know, England has, a, has an awful history of uh, people being crushed to death and killed in stampedes, um, and they, they, you know, for a long time have not gotten a major final in one of these tournaments. Uh, because of the problems they've had hosting these major events, and the security and the, the stewards, as they call them, the ushers, uh, just had no control yesterday, and so you, uh, or on Sunday, and so you had you know, hundred, you know, ninety thousand people. Now the stadium seats ninety thousand, so you maybe even had a hundred thousand, but you had way too many people uh, for what was, the stadium was ready for yesterday, and that could have been a, a really terrible thing. I don't, I don't believe anybody was. Uh, hurt to a major degree, or mm-hmm. nobody was killed, but uh, that's a major, major uh, issue that was dodged uh, in the final. Absolutely, absolutely, it's something that they have to look at going forward. And I think there again, there's no, there's no uh, answer really that we can provide or that can to, that can go into effect. And, where... and the one thing I should say about that 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 people brought up is that the the you know Wembley Stadium is kind of in a neighborhood, and they use the example that in some of these other finals. And I know you were at the Final Four a couple of years ago. Yep. You know the security perimeter is a half mile outside the stadium. You know, you're, mm-hmm. if you don't have a ticket, you're not even getting near the actual front gate of the stadium. And for, apparently, for some reason, that's just not possible at Wembley because there's too many houses. You know, the, the neighborhood is too close, that sort of thing. But you know, you, when you look at possible solutions, and you know, 
I think it's certainly fair to say the Super Bowl, the Final Four, some of these major events that we know about, certainly the Olympics, you're not getting anywhere near the actual gate to the building without a ticket or without the proper identification. Yep. And I know the Final Four is, is our one example of that where we've seen that firsthand. Well, yeah, you're just, you know, you're not getting, uh, you're not getting any closer. Right. Yeah. So a lot of things to look at, a lot of things to try and fix, but uh, we'll see what happens there. And uh, yeah, congrats again to Italy, winners of uh, the Euros. Uh, next is the World Cup in Qatar in 2022, uh, December. So that will be interesting. But um, Marcus, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Thanks as always for for giving me a few minutes talking hockey and uh, soccer. Uh, and enjoy the rest of your summer, and I'm sure we'll talk soon and down the road. All right. Thanks, Jackson. Thank you, Marcus. Marcus Traxler, Mitchell Daily Republic. Always appreciate his time, as always. Great stuff there. Great insight. Again, a great friend that I really appreciate his time. Always taking the time to talk hockey and soccer with me, and uh, he's very insightful stuff. So appreciate that there. Hopefully you enjoyed this week's edition of the Sports Walk Podcast. A lot of a lot of stuff. You know, we talked about the Maria Taylor, Rachel Nichols deal, and then Stephen A. Smith with his Shohei Atani thing. He, uh, he issued an apology on Twitter. I think it... We, Mark and I were talking about the good side of cancel culture. This is some of the bad stuff of cancel culture. People just getting irate over stuff. I think we just all need to have more of a discussion. I mean that, that just talk like explain what reasoning you're at there it's just it, I think we come too quick to just be oh I need to be offended by something and but uh, between that, you had the all MLB All-Star Game. We have the Open Championship. Congratulations to Novak Djokovic for winning Wimbledon. Uh, congrats to Barty. She won the... Uh, it was Andrea Barty? Amanda Barty? Uh, regardless, uh, she won the uh, Wimbledon Ladies Championship. Jo- uh, Djokovic won the Gentlemen's Championship. So Wimbledon is in the books. Open Championship in, from Royal St. George's. Uh, in Sandwich will tee off on Thursday. I'm taking Colin Morikawa, uh, and Travis is taking English. Oh, how appropriate. Someone with the last name of English winning uh, the Open Championship there in England. We'll see if that happens, but should be fun. Golf Channel and NBC. Uh, but uh, thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. We're off next week. We're on vacation. We'll be back the following week to, to talk about baseball and the NBA Finals. The Olympics are going to start up, so maybe some Olympic talk there. I'm not sure. As Marcus said, there's not going to be any fans there this uh, this year. You know, no spectators because of COVID. Just what's that going to mean for the Olympics? It's a, truly a TV event, but I don't know. It's just it's going to be weird now. It's going to be awfully, awfully weird uh, having all these events in empty arenas and stadiums and stuff. Not sure how I feel about that, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about baseball. More serial talk. We got through the F's again. Uh, F's to this week. Fruit Loops Frosted Flakes um, by both Kellogg's and Malto Meal. Frosted Mini Spooners by Malto Meal. Frosted Mini Wheats by Kellogg's and Frosted Shredded Wheat. All yeses in Travis's cereal pantry. Uh, so for tra- uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Indy Stackin, Facebook Nathan Stackin, Travis is on Twitter at Travis Crins, uh, Marcus on tra- uh, Marcus Traxler is on Twitter at Marcus Traxler. Link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Uh, so thank you for listening to this week's edition. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you're hopefully you had a great Fourth of July. Hopefully you're having a good summer. Uh, continue to stay safe in this heat and. 
in these COVID times, especially if you're in Missouri or Alabama and stuff, I don't think anyone's listening down there. But if you are, stay safe out there. Get vaccinated. But regardless of that, um, have a great week. Off next week. We'll talk to you in two weeks for more sports talk and we'll see and more sports and serial talk. And then as we get in August, college football uh, talk will begin. And that means uh, Charlie Hildebrand will join us. Uh, so that'll be fun as well. So uh, for all of us here at the Sports Block Podcast, for Travis and Marcus, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week. We'll talk to you in two weeks for another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Available on podcast.com. Have a great week, everyone.